Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Presented by CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. They say that in sports there's no such thing as a moral victory. I ask you today, Kansas City, is there such a thing as a moral loss? Uh, That's probably an overreaction. But also, this game was simply not what any of us expected. The Chiefs are victorious over the Denver Broncos. Saw that coming. This game even not covering the spread. Not terribly surprising to me. But 34-28, when things were looking very, very, very different back in that first half a lifetime ago at 27 to nothing this was not the score i expected i imagine that is true for you i appreciate you deciding to come spend some time recapping it all breaking down what went well what went poorly what matters going forward for the kansas city chiefs i am joshua briscoe here with beards mcfly and dylan michaels producing the effort from behind the glass it is the sports radio 810 whb post game show presented by cbd american shaman free cbd samples every day and i might need some you might need some the chiefs running back might need some, although Isaiah Pacheco seems like he gets stronger every time he takes a hit, or really, maybe more accurately, every time he delivers a hit. But in a game where Russell Wilson looked the best he had looked in a Broncos uniform until he was knocked out of the game with a scary looking, but ultimately it seems probably relatively okay injury. He was eventually ruled out, certainly, and we'll we'll let you know if any more info comes out on him. But he was knocked out of the game, and and then, well, things didn't necessarily get all that much easier for the Chiefs' defense. Brett Rippon comes in, and he's able to throw a third touchdown pass to Jerry Judy. You have a defense that just really struggled to preserve their lead. You have three interceptions. Three from Patrick Mahomes in a game where those were the way that that was the way that the Broncos got back into this game. Patrick Mahomes turns the ball over, and and for my money, I'll I'll be very interested to hear from Reed and Mahomes after the game. Of course, we'll bring you their press conferences here on the postgame show. I'll be very interested to hear from Reed and Mahomes because sometimes you get the breakdown of an interception or a mistake made or whatever, and you figure out, oh, actually, that wasn't on the quarterback. That wasn't on Mahomes. That was on the receiver. That was a case for the pick earlier in the year on uh, a target to Sky Moore. He ran the wrong route and just sort of took that uh, angle wrong, and, and Andy Reid told us that much after the game. I don't think that's what happened to Mahomes today. I think, once again, when he targeted Sky Moore, that one got picked off. I wonder about the route on that one. I wonder how that one all came together. But at least the other two just looked like bad passes, bad reads, bad choices, missed defenders from Patrick Mahomes in a game where he had another outrageous MVP moment, another highlight that makes you go, oh my goodness, who the bleep is this guy? How does he do this with the football? And then, frankly, this is like an enormous overreaction, so hear me with that grain of salt at the beginning. But frankly, 
this might have been the type of game you expected from Patrick Mahomes the first time you you went back and revisited his Texas Tech highlights after the Chiefs drafted him in 2017. The, the naysayers who believed a little bit but had their doubts about Mahomes, I think this part was always unfair. I do not think this is the direction his career is headed by any means. But the idea was, oh, you know, he'll make some crazy plays, but he'll also make some stupid mistakes. Well, Mahomes, over the course of his career, has simply not done that. That has not been who he is as a person, as a quarterback, as the best quarterback in football. But that's exactly what makes this game so strange. Now, the Broncos do a really good job of affecting the quarterback. Mahomes is the first 300-yard passer the Broncos have allowed this year. He did it to the tune of 352 yards when it was all said and done. The Broncos do a good job of simulating pressure, make you think pressure's coming when it's not actually. They do a good job of mixing things up. This Broncos defense is very talented, which is why if this game was 27-17, which I think is what my prediction was on Friday... But something like that, if it was a sub-30 point performance for the offense and a sub-20 point performance for the defense, we might feel okay about that. You can at least talk yourself into something that's just sort of a gritty game where Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon run the ball a ton. Maybe Ronald Jones gets in on the action. There was a way for the Chiefs to not cover this game and for it not to feel bad. And I never want to come in and like start apologizing for losses on the Chiefs' behalf. I, I don't think most teams do much of that at all. When you get a win, you need to take that victory and go ahead and chalk it up for your seeding in the AFC, a chance to clinch the AFC West tonight if the Dolphins beat the Chargers. But this game didn't feel very good. As soon as you stopped chuckling at Travis Kelsey leaning back on the bench with his arms outstretched, big smile on his face after the Willie Gay pick six. Pretty much from that point on, this game was not a lot of fun. How much of it matters, though? How much of this is repeatable, concerning for next week, the rest of the season, really the playoffs? Because the rest of the regular season for the Chiefs, they go to the Texans next week, they get the Seahawks at home on Christmas Eve, the Broncos at home on New Year's Day, and they close their season in Vegas against the Raiders. None of those teams are very good. The Seahawks are the most dynamic of those. They've been the most fun, but right now they uh, they have the football losing to the Carolina Panthers by six with about 15 seconds left in the game. I don't really know how that game has gone other than that Sam Darnold's Panthers are winning. Oh, and in fact, actually, the I'll, have to, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I think the Seahawks recently scored, and so therefore they're probably onside kicking this game to the end. So the best team remaining on the Chiefs' schedule looks like they're about to lose to Sam Darnold's Panthers. And they ought to be able to control the rest of this way out. And if they just manage to win out the rest of their season, go 5-0 and after losing to the Bengals, their odds of winning the one seat in the AFC are pretty darn good. Just because the rest of those contenders around them, the Bills and the Bengals with the tiebreakers over them, those teams have some, some tougher schedules the rest of the way. Chiefs still have a chance at the one seed, so wins do matter. The result certainly matters. There are some really genuinely concerning things from this game. We've had a couple of shows this year where it's felt like a post-game show of 
an almost loss more than it's felt like a post-game show of a win. I'm not totally sure what you're all going to think uh, across the uh, the phones, across the uh, video streams where you can watch the show live, leave your comments on the Sports Radio 810 WHB, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Beer, just try to throw an eyeball up to the comment section when you get a chance to. I know there's a lot of moving parts back there. You but want, I, You want to know what it sounds like? What yes, it looks like? Yes, I do. Ah! That's kind of the vibe that I got. Is that it's going to be a little bit of a oh are we are we safe here? Here's what I have on the offensive side. Mahomes' mistakes are they they've popped up to have a late game forced sort of iced play that Mahomes throws a pass he probably shouldn't tries to make something happen and gets picked doesn't really matter that much. We've seen some of those those don't concern me, and frankly. Because I still think we're watching the MVP of the league, although Jalen Hurts is, I believe I saw that he's only thrown three passes, or three interceptions this season, which if that is correct, I've not looked it up myself, but I, Beards is nodding. I saw that tweet somewhere else today. That's a pretty good argument. He's been excellent. But Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. He has been that pretty much every minute that he has taken a breath as a starter in this game. And frankly... I don't think it should be too controversial to say Patrick Mahomes has earned my benefit of the doubt. The mistakes today were strange, and if it is the beginning of a pattern, it is concerning. I'm guessing someone across the phone lines, comment sections, whatever, will say, hey, this already is a pattern for Mahomes because he has had some of those other like game 90% of the way locked up mistakes. This was a, this was a different animal, though, and a, and a bad one, an animal I don't care for. I was trying to think what my least favorite animal is, but I, I don't really want to slander any animals as being my least favorite. That's sort of concerning. And also, I've mentioned this on The Zone. I think I've probably said this just about every platform I could think of over the last couple of weeks. This offense does really miss the McColl, Hardman, Kadarius, Tony element. I'm not even saying Tyreek Hill because I don't need, I don't even mean all of that. I mean what you can do to a defense when you can stress stress and stretch them horizontally with the motions, what it does for a defense to have to freeze and recalculate for that and know that there is going to be a mess coming at them. And also what those guys can do in space with a ball in their hands. Jarek McKinnon, screen god today. But some of those touches could go to even more explosive players who are a little more jittery in space. McKinnon's excellent. This, uh, I'm happy for the, the number of touches McKinnon gets for the most part. But having that element back where you know you have someone you can give the ball to and you can get a different type of yardage pretty easily, this offense misses that. I say that as an, an offense that just scored 34 points on a very good defense that have not allowed a 300-yard passer yet today. That is the least of my concerns of the three that I'm going to bring to you on the offensive side. That's three out of three out of three. I'm going to go coaching second. And I'm not even going to be able to hit every single part of this. Just some examples. Andy Reid was incredibly passive on fourth down today. It felt like he was saying, we're playing the Broncos. We don't need to go for it here. But I'm telling you, it's worse than that. Because early in the game against the Bengals, where they later did end up going for it in fourth down more often, early in games against bad teams, good teams, anybody, Andy Reid would rather take the super safe feeling three points, even when they're not that safe, depending on who your kicker is. Andy Reid will 
absolutely default to the three points before he does the even slightly like riskier thing of trying to keep your offense on the field and keep pushing for seven. He did it early in this game. I tweeted about it. Some people said, oh, he's saving his good stuff for a better team because the Broncos aren't going to be anywhere near it. Hey, don't predict what the next 55 minutes are going to be of this football game. Take what you got and do the most you can to put this game out of reach when you have a chance to do that. It's the fourth down calls. It's not going for two to make it a two-touchdown game, which ended up, it, again, if Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt, I don't know what the how this game looks, which is a crazy thing to say for a quarterback who's been the laughingstock of the league this year. You'll notice I haven't mentioned the defense yet, and I'm only at uh, two out of three, so we'll give me time. But to, to leave this game hanging in the balance... And something really easy. I know this is a minute thing. If you're rolling your eyes, give me 30 more seconds on it. If you can't go for two with Patrick Mahomes and your offense out there to make it a 14-point game at the risk of it only being a 12-point game versus the extra point to make it a 13-point game late in the occasion here. There aren't a whole lot of point combinations that are still coming the rest of the way. If you don't make that assignment an easy one, that is concerning to me. Because it's not Andy Reid cost the Chiefs one point, he should be fired. It's Andy Reid didn't hold up the two there. I don't know if it was somebody in his headset who didn't get it to him quick enough, or if he overruled somebody, whatever the process was. The Chiefs left a point on the board, a meaningful point on the board, that was very close to mattering. Which was the same as early in the game. The fourth downs, they decide, decide, hey, no, we're either going to take the field goal here, or we're going to punt it away, which happened later in the game as well. I think Andy Reid just wants to have the most probable outcomes over the course of a game. But that's not really how the league works, and certainly not how the league works against your team. So that's concerning to me. When you start missing a bunch of layups, that is reasonable for cause for concern. And, and Andy Reid has, has missed some, some bunnies already this year. In that, in that department. I'm concerned because when it happens again against the Bengals or again against a better team, I don't want to sit here doing a post-game show saying, oh yeah, the Chiefs lost by one point because in the third quarter they didn't go for two when they should have. And now their season's over. I don't want to do that show. But right now I have no faith that the Chiefs are taking the easy points like that or at least the easy opportunities when they're in high leverage moments that can really change what the other team has to account for. Anyway. The biggest concern, obviously, is the defense, and probably not for the reasons a lot of people are expecting. When a defense is bad, the first thing most people want to do is fire the defensive coordinator. I understand why, It makes sense. It's way easier to fire one defensive coordinator than it is to replace eight players. It's even more frustrating in a year where they did have a huge defensive overhaul. And Spags didn't pitch any sort of perfect game today. Some of the pressures that he was was going to and the blitz packages were not getting home, and that was a big problem against the Bengals as well. And when the defense did step up, it was largely Chris Jones being the superhero that he is, 
Plus some other guys making some great plays. Willie Gay being an athletic freak on that pick six. That play was unbelievable. Great play. One dude feasted on it. George Karloftis had a very George Karloftis-y sack. And then also the batted pass where I think Willie Gay also may have gotten a fingertip on it. There were guys who made plays. And if you don't do that, the, the Chiefs lose this game. If you, if, you take, if you take Chris Jones out of the equation, the Chiefs lose this game by like eight. But this, for the second week in a row, it's hard to watch this defense just try to take an angle and tackle a guy. And it's not, it's not even that it's Derrick Henry or even last week like Jamar Chase, but you just have guys in space and Nick Bolton is not going to shed a blocker. And not even just in the in the screen where he was in space against a lineman. There was a lot of space around him. But he just sort of waited for the block to get there, and then he couldn't get away from it. And then Juan Thornhill, multiple occasions in this game, you see him take an ankle that, that leaves him looking not for a new angle, but for new ankles. You also get plays where Juan Thornhill reminds you that he is a worthwhile player, where he doesn't drop a hit stick or or is there on a good uh, contesting for a, for a pass, but... When you have free yardage appearing for the offense, that's the stuff you can't give up. And frankly, that's the part of this defense that I'm most concerned about. And that's the part of this defense that I don't look to Steve Spagnuolo on to say, hey, explain to me why you can't tackle. I know we'll talk about tackling again today. It'll be two weeks in a row. And you could say, oh, they don't teach tackling anymore. I'm begging you to please find go throughout the rest of the league. And maybe there's something to it. But you go throughout the rest of the league, go talk to the NFLPA, figure out what the uh, practicing schedules are, how much of the, the real live work you can do, and find me a team that is able to practice tackling more than others. Andy Reid runs a famously tough training camp. They get a lot done in the week-to-week, although I think they've kind of throttled some of that down later in the season as, as guys you know are more and more banged up. But I don't, I don't think that the Chiefs need to bring in your high school coach that teaches you to put your helmet on the football and tackle the ball. It's just not happening. And I don't know if that's guys who aren't athletic enough that end up having bad technique to try to overexert to, to cover for their underwhelming athleticism for the guys they're, they're trying to bring down. I don't, I don't know if there are bad angles and bad pursuit, if guys aren't thinking about it in the, in the moment enough, if they're just getting beat and getting beat just enough to throw off what they're able to do. But I spent a lot of these last 120 minutes of Chiefs football watching them take bad angles and tackle poorly or not at all. Only winning this game by six doesn't really bother me. Being up by 27... And losing by six does. And with the exception of Tommy Townsend, kind of like last week, I think just about everybody gets a little piece of this where you can say, hey, this is, this is not what you can bring to a playoff game. And hey, this wasn't one. But I thought the Chiefs would look a lot sharper than they did today. I, I thought they would be coveting the opportunity to play some really dominant football after the loss of the Bengals. And I'm willing to give the Broncos a lot of credit on defense because I was doing that coming into this week. I have a lot of respect for that defense. And the Chiefs did enough offensively, more than enough, 
should have been more than enough, I should say, against a very good Broncos unit on that side of the ball. But they left points on the board. I didn't even get to uh, Andy Reid taking the penalty on third on second and 34 instead of it being third and 24. That was sort of strange. And that drive continues and ends in the Brett Rippon dart to Jerry Judy in the back middle of the end zone. <laughs> Coaching mistakes, execution mistakes. That's what it takes to play a really close football team to a Broncos team that I do not think terribly highly of, at least from an offense and, my God, from a coaching perspective. We were joking that, that barely joking, that Nathaniel Hackett might get fired at halftime. I legitimately thought Beards made a great point at about 27 to nothing. He said, is this going to be when they just make Nathaniel Hackett a one-and-done fire in midseason? I said, Beards, that's a great point. I... I would not be surprised at all if this is the time they go ahead and drop the guillotine on the one-year experiment of Nate Hackett because when we were having that conversation, they were losing to a division rival 27 to nothing. Thank you. It was a great point, Beards. And then Nathaniel Hackett might have saved his job. That, that, is, that is not a ringing endorsement of a football game that you won. You did, in fact, win. It just... Didn't feel like a whole lot to celebrate. We'll bring you Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, probably at least one other player from the podium. The Chiefs are on the road, of course, in Denver. So um, we'll see how that all comes down the line. In the meantime, we'll take your calls, 913-3810810. Again, you can also watch the show and leave your comments across the Sports Radio 810 WHB social platforms. That's Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter for the video feeds. We'll go to the phones now and open it up with Gary. Gary, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Gary? Not much. Just a lot of head scratching after watching that game today. Your half-billion-dollar quarterback makes three really, really, really stupid decisions with the football, and your head coach doesn't chew him on the sideline. It comes over, hands him his tablet, jump him. It's okay. He's getting a half-billion dollars. If he can't handle it, then he's in the wrong line of business. You put your defense out there in bad situations, and once again, you're never out of a game against the Spagnolo defense. You will never be out of it. This team will never blow anybody out as long as Spagnolo is on the other side. Teams don't fear the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, they might get home every now and then, but Jerry Judy, three touchdowns, he had, they turned him into a national hero today. Josh Williams has no business being out there. And I don't know, Dave Merritt, I, I don't know if he wants if he's saying he doesn't want to be here much longer, but the technique that these defensive backs show is horrendous. I was watching the Jets game earlier today. You see DBs batting passes, actually running with the receiver stride for stride, turning around, looking for the ball, still in coverage. I guess Chiefs defenders, the defensive backs don't work on that here. And uh, Steve Spagnuolo is just begging to get fired. And I know that he and Andy, they're buddies and whatever else, I'm sure that Spagnuolo's got the goods on him or something because that's the only reason I can think of why the man still has a job. This team, if they get bounced early in the playoffs, I'm not going to be shocked. Yes, and oh, we get Tony and Hardman back, but that defense is still the same defense. There's The cavalry's not coming for that defense, guys. 
And I'd rather see Willie Gay making plays, coming over and ringing somebody's bell than picking a ball off and running it back for a touchdown. I want to see my linebackers hitting people. And you don't see this defense laying the lumber on anybody. It's reach out with your arms, pull them down, pray to God they make a tackle because your teammates aren't going to come and surround and make a tackle either. But, you know, what, is there anything more hilarious than watching Spagnolo on the sideline with his hands on his knees, looking out there like he actually knows what he's looking at? But at some point, the heat's got to be turned up on Spagnolo. And if Clark Hunt has to step in and say, we're going to go in a different direction here because it's obvious you can't handle these decisions, then maybe it's time. But, you know, Andy's got a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's great. But that's three years ago now. That's in the rearview mirror. It's time for him to move on and bring in somebody that's going to develop these young guys because the development's not there. The best player on this defense was brought in by the previous regime, and that's Chris Jones. Nobody's taking a step forward. Nobody's doing anything defensively, but that's Andy's, that's Andy's buddy over there. And let's not forget, he didn't sit out 2018 because he wanted to. Nobody wanted him. I'll hang up and listen. Great show. Gary, I appreciate it, but I do feel like unless you think Steve Spagnuolo isn't coaching well enough to get somebody tackling, or you mentioned nobody's nobody fears the Chiefs' defense in the end of the day. They never thump anybody over the middle. That part I agree with. I don't think that's a coaching problem, though. I think if you say, hey, nobody hits anybody on this defense, then maybe it's time to have a different conversation about Nick Bolton. That That's what he's here for. That that is an athleticism problem, or a speed problem, or an, or a space in the middle problem. I don't know what you look for today to say, oh, that's that's Steve Spagnuolo coming up short. I definitely, think, I think Gary's mentioned this a couple weeks in a row. I'm, the loudest thing I'll disagree with you on is Dave Merritt and the Chiefs' corners. You mentioned Joshua Williams, Fayetteville State, Jalen Watson, seventh round pick, Legarius Sneed, fourth round pick. Rashad Fenton, who should probably still be on this team. Been on that one since the trade went down. They got some cap space. Hope that was good for everybody. And a conditional pick that may never arrive. Rashad Fenton was a sixth-round pick. The, the, the miracle of this Chiefs defense is that the, the members of their secondary who are being relied on over the course of all this, especially when Trent McDuffie was out, the miracle of this Chiefs defense is the corners. McDuffie, he had two terrible plays, both on terribly thrown football, so you can figure out how you want to make that work. Um, Where he got called for the DPI, they're going to call that because the receiver's making a play on the ball, and that one I'll I'll say, hey, look, McDuffie needs to make a play on that ball as well. It's a tough spot, but he has to make a play on the ball so he doesn't get flagged there. He also should have picked off Russ on a ball that bounced off his face mask. That's your your, your first-round pick you traded up for. He, He had two big misses there, and what I think was ultimately a pretty good day for him. Hard to see whenever you aren't watching... If the ball's not going to you. But those two plays, McDuffie missed. I if you if you see Joshua Williams only give up one big play a week, I'm gonna largely sign up for that because that's what they've invested in that group. That that's a different story than, you know, Sauce Gardner and the Jets. I also don't think you need to look at Willie Gay's pick six as a problem. If, if you have a linebacker not delivering the violence problem, fair enough, I suppose. The, the Broncos running game was very average outside of Russell Wilson today. They didn't run the ball that much anyway. 19 carries for 106 yards sounds pretty good. Four for 57 of those were Russell Wilson. Latavius Murray was averaging four yards a carry. Marlon Mack averaged five. 
I think there's a bigger safety problem right now than anything else, along with a pass rush, perhaps. And there were better moments there today. But the safeties have had a really rough stretch, even though Justin Reed had a pretty good second half, at least, against the Bengals. I'll be curious to see what it looks like against the, the Broncos today. But something in the second, really third level of that Chiefs defense is not right. And that is a place they've invested. Both in the draft picks on Thornhill, now in a contract year. Cook, still a rookie. Money for Justin Reed. That depth of the defense, I, I remain more concerned about than I do anything around Dave Merritt or Willie Gay or, frankly, even Spags. I, I, don't, I don't think this was a schematic problem. I think you have a defense that isn't where it's fully supposed to be right now with some limited players who are looking limited in those spots. We'll wait just one second here, I suppose. I was just about to go over to uh, to hit the next button, but we may have a live presser for you live from Denver. So um, I will uh, <laughs> I'll look around. Um, looks like Willie Gay will be up next. So we'll hear him live from the Mile High City here on Sports Radio at 10 WHB. Here's Willie Gay. Uh, I, it was really a blitz, and um, I realized what kind of play it was. They was just trying to, you know, bring me down so they can get it over my head. So I was like, I'm gonna just, I'm, I'm, I wasn't gonna blitz, to, you know, to the quarterback. I was gonna try to get my hand up, and that's what I did. And luckily, it came right to me uh, once I knocked it down. So after that, I just knew I had to make uh, Russ miss, and Russ was, you know, to the test, to the end zone. So. Oh, yeah, I was an athlete, you know, all through high school. So, you know, so I knew I was going to be able to get there. Anybody else? For the defense overall today, I mean, you guys had some big moments and also some moments I'm sure you can take back. Like, what, what's your sort of broader takeaway from, from the way this game played out? Uh, you know, we was up on them big at first, man, and uh, it's the details, you know, that, that lets his team score two, three touchdowns in short you know, time span, you know, and uh, it can be any call you call. You know, if one person is, is out of the gap or misses an assignment, you get a screenplay go 60 yards or however long it was. You get a, a quarterback rushing 15 to scramble 15, 20 yards, and those little things, man, add up. And, uh, like, the touchdown to Judy at the back of the end zone after the scramble with Russ, you know, uh hope he's okay, by the way. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that, man, leads to touchdowns. and. That's definitely stuff we can fix at practice this week. Uh, this game? Well, this division championship, if you get to get Shoot, man, I don't really. I just play each and every week, one week at a time. I don't really think too far ahead. I look, look at other games, and the other guys might, you know, but. I really just worry about us, you know, and try to win out and do what we uh, we need to do, which is win out. You know, I don't care who else loses. If, if we do what we're supposed to do, we'll be in Arizona end of the season. So. Thank you. There's Willie Gay here on Sports Radio 810 WHB live from Denver, kicking off our locker room report. The Chiefs locker room report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. 
Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. Next up, live from Denver, Jarek McKinnon after a big game on the ground and through the air. Try to just get downfield, and he, uh, he made an incredible play to get it out there. And then um, I was able to come down with it. Noah Gray had a great block out front as well. And, um, you know, able to create an, uh, an amazing play. He peeped at me, but I wasn't sure what he was going to do with it. So I kind of was just waiting to see what happened. And um, he got it out there. He gave me time to get to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you, you've seen it since he's been in the league. He's been doing, you know, amazing things like that. And, um, you know, we are, they always emphasize scramble drill, you know, throughout camp and the season. And, um, you know, whenever he breaks the pocket, um, I think guys do a pretty good job at getting over, you know, mostly like he finds Kelsey on some crazy stuff most of the time. And, um, you know, just trying to be there for him. And, um, like I said, I mean, he made an amazing play. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just, we're just a tough team. And, um, you know, it starts with Coach Reed and trickles down. Uh, you know, it was definitely wasn't easy. That Broncos defense, we knew they were going to be tough. Uh, you know, they came out and played hard all four quarters. So, um, you know, that's off to them for that for sure. So, um, you know, we had to keep fighting. Definitely was battle-tested. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to respond from last week's loss. With how good the Broncos secondary is, did you guys know that checkdowns were going to be so important today? Uh, you know, film they did. You know, they dropped a lot, and you know, we knew that the flats would be there. Um, you know, Pat hit us in the flat a couple of times, and you know, some other guys in the flats, and um, really just forced them to take those flats and then opened everything else up after that. Uh, I mean, anytime you win in the division is definitely great, uh, but you know, we definitely want to finish the season now on the right. No, you know, we got some tough teams coming up. That are definitely, you know, it's not a walkthrough. So, you know, our, our main focus is to win out and um, take care of business. And, you know, whatever happens after that, it's great. There's Jarek McKinnon. Had a really excellent game tonight. A downright Jamal Charlesian stat line, if you will. Uh, seven receptions, 112 yards, and two touchdowns just as a receiver. Uh, six carries, 22 yards on the ground. And really the guy the Chiefs went to kind of to close it out there for the most part late, not on the very final drive, but in the second to last drive, um, Other than uh, rather than going to Isaiah Pacheco instead. Sort of intriguing and uh, worth worth keeping in mind as the Chiefs figure out how they try to put games away on the ground. We'll go back to the phones here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. Again, it's brought to you by CBD American Shaman. And the good news is, hey, 34 points means a pretty good discount because when Kansas City scores, you score big. You're your local CBD American Shaman. Our team score is your percent off. They scored 34 points, so you get 34% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more at CBD American Shaman because life is better with the feather. Back to the phones. Next up, we've got Travis. Travis, you're on Sports Radio 8, Tim. What's up, Travis? Hey, JB. So, um, I guess before I go scorch earth on how I feel at this moment, I just want to say to Gary, you don't have to yell at Mahomes because Mahomes already knows what he did wrong. Yeah. That's why Big Red goes over there and pats him on the leg and says, hey, keep firing. Because he's the best quarterback, he's the best football player in the league, you don't need to go chew his ass and make him feel bad. 
He's not a kid. He doesn't need to be coddled. He doesn't need to be uh, uh, yelled at and screamed at to know that he did something wrong. So I just wanted to say that, like, uh, I'm fine with Pat Mahomes. The guy threw three picks. He's only done it twice in his career. Stuff happens. That's a legit defense there, and they and they smoked them. They 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 moved the ball when they wanted to, and, and to be honest, I feel like they made mistakes. Like this team, I feel like they kind of played flat. Yeah. And this is the second or third good game in a row where they've kind of played that way offensively. Kelsey was dropping passes. Mahomes has, you know, made some mistakes. The offensive line at times didn't look great. But as far as the defense goes, and I'm going to be honest, I like Spagnuolo. I think this is a coaching problem, and, and, and here's why. They make some of the most fundamental, fundamentally stupid mistakes of any, at times you think you're watching the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. how bad and how stupid they look on the field. The safeties are always at a position. It's the same issue as it was last year. It's just they covered a little bit better because they're more athletic. The, the defensive linemen, everybody wanted to crap on Bolton last week in Cincinnati. You want to know why Nick Bolton wasn't able to make a play last week? Because the defensive linemen's asses were in his face on the snap of the ball. He had no room to move. He had no space to maneuver. Yeah, you're going to get run over when the defensive line is sitting in your lap. So they blitzed when they didn't need to blitz. There was no reason to blitz once they started moving the ball. Just stop blitzing. You didn't need to blitz. That's why, in fact, those blitzes don't work. They don't, yeah, they generate some pressure, but they don't work. They don't work as intended. Half the time, they don't even get there. If Chris Jones isn't a mauler and, and doing his job in the, on the line, there's zero uh, pressure from the defensive line. So here's my question to you, Josh. This is what I want to ask you, and I'll listen. I'll hang up, and I'll listen. If it's not a coaching problem, and these are just mediocre players, which I don't personally think is the case, then maybe we should start looking at Brett Veach. Because if, if, if these are mediocre players and – Spagnuolo is getting the best out of these players, then it's a personnel problem. Mm -hmm. And if it's a personnel problem, it's a beach problem, which means that he needs to find better players. So it's it's one of the – I'm not saying the players are innocent. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that either Beach isn't getting Spagnuolo the players that he wants or Spagnuolo's not doing a good enough job coaching these guys up. And I think – Oh, go ahead. And I just want to say one more thing. I, I think it starts at the top with Big Red, man. I think right now this is a very poorly coached team. Very poorly coached team, whether it's um, the, the fundamentals, whether it's play calling. I, I, I think the coaching staff is what is holding this team back. That's all I got, guys. Uh, thanks. Uh, enjoy the show. Appreciate it, Travis. It, it is a weird one. There, there is something with the levels of... of intensity, I guess. You mentioned that it felt flat today. The weird thing about today is that it didn't feel flat at the beginning. And then like it got flattened out as opposed to some of the slow starts we've seen them have. That's that's the strange thing. Um yeah, I think that I think that in the conversation about the defense, I think you absolutely have to at least include Brett Veach in it. I think that there is room to say that this defense, if it's filled with relatively mediocre players, which I think is largely the case in the NFL scale, they're the best best players you'd find out of your probably your favorite college team. But ultimately, at NFL level, I think you have a lot of relatively limited players who are playing some limited football. 
I would like to see it at least look like a mid-level defense. If they are mid-level players, I wonder if there aren't more adjustments back to be using. Not in again, I think the technique stuff, the tackling things. I mean, technique like we're, we're at the NFL level, the technique things you're talking about aren't wrap up. So some of that I think just falls directly to players. I think if you want to talk about defensive coaching, you talk about usage. You you talk about the players they have out there at the times. But I at least see them trying different things across that defensive line where you have George Karloftis lined up inside of Chris Jones, who's out on the edge. They're trying something there. And Gary mentioned this in his call also about like how stale the coaching staff is. Joe Colon is in his first year as the Chiefs defensive line coach. It's not going great. I've heard nothing but good things about the hire since the hire all across the board. Not going great, that defensive line. But there is a new coach there. They made a coaching change. Is that better? With Brendan Daly now coaching linebackers and Colon on the defensive line? Doesn't seem like that, but they did, they did make a change there. I think that the Chiefs, over the Brett Veach era, have had the biggest cheat code you can ask for in roster construction. It's a quarterback who, first on a rookie contract, and even after the rookie contract, still on a good number for his value. The Chiefs got the quarterback who could raise the level of everything around him. They are still paying for the, the cost of Frank Clark, they're paying the cost of drafting Clyde Edwards-Elair in the first round. They're paying the cost of drafting two linebackers with second-round picks in back-to-back years. Because those are places where you should have invested in more valuable positions. Now, you can say, I'm glad they invested in those linebackers, because I think over the course of their rookie contracts, look at that value back. That's fine, but you're always picking from one bucket from the other. That, that's what that process always looks like. You are, you are picking from the resources you had. You can only allocate them in so many places. What I would like would be for the Chiefs to cover some other element of their defense having an underinvestment in them positionally. But that's what they've been doing at cornerback. So I, I remain frustrated at multiple levels. I think there's plenty of places you could point the finger, which has to at least include the players executing at suboptimal levels. Travis Kelsey live here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. And um, fast start, just got to be able to keep, you know, finding ways to get first downs and keep putting up points there uh, through the uh, the end of the half there and then the start of the uh, start of the second half. Um, a lot of stuff to clean up on the offensive side, but I mean, I'm not going to complain about a divisional win up here in Denver, man. It's always a, it's always a tough game. Uh, honestly, right now the win means more than any any of those stats. Um, everybody's kind of been talking about me getting those stats at some point this year, so I mean it was it was on everybody's radar. <clears throat> um, but to come up here and get a win and and uh, you know be a part of the the crowd that had, that is the ten thousand crew, you know, and Gates, Witten, Gonzalez, who am I forgetting there? Shannon Sharp, man. The Bronco himself, man. The main guy I was chasing today. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously all those guys are, uh, It's uh, that's unbelievable company to be in. And I've been very fortunate that I've had the, the coaches and the players around me to, um, you know, be able to have as much success in the NFL as I have. Who you are. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> even more so towards the end of the season when, um, you know, a lot of guys or a lot of teams, uh, I don't know, scheme becomes even more important. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes it's just, you know, the other team got us or, you know, we, they're, they, you know, they're good defense. So they, they got us on a few, but um, it's the, uh, it's the play after the play that I like to, I like to call kind of the extended play that makes Pat Mahomes the best quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, even when you think you got us, we still got one five back there making plays and uh, the wide receiver corpse, the offensive line to be able to understand that, you know, this play might get extended or when a play does get extended, you know, we're, we're capable of uh, not only moving the ball downfield, but getting big plays out of it. On that same note there, what was your reaction to Mahomes' low look? <clears throat> I was in a position to block, so all I could think of was, man, let me get this last block so Jack can get in the end zone. But um, that kind of stuff, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't amaze me, but um, at this point it's almost expected that he's going to do something uh, magical out there. All right, thank you. All right, now. There's Travis Kelsey live from Denver here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. Joshua Briscoe, Beards McFly, Dylan Michaels are with you here through the rest of the evening. We'll eventually get you over to a huge Sunday night game as well as you've heard uh, Adam Teicher mention in his press conference questions. If the Dolphins beat the Chargers tonight, the Chiefs will clinch the AFC West once again. We'll bring you the second half of that game later on this evening here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. But in the meantime, it's us on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show presented by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. If you're on hold now, we'll get your calls whenever we come back. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes still to come as well here on Sports Radio 810. Mahomes, he'll just chuck it ahead, and it's caught. McKinnon has that next gear. Touchdown on a full sprint to the end zone. 56 yards on a toss from Mahomes. How sweet that was. Andy's sweet play of the game is brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Stop by any KC location for Travis Kelsey's 87 and running concrete and help raise money for this worthy cause. 87 and running and Andy's Frozen Custard, the perfect option play for KC fans everywhere. Kind of feels like that touchdown was so long ago that any custard you had would have been melted long before the taste of it had left your mouth because that play was unbelievable. But the Broncos scored last, and it felt sort of like the Broncos did nothing but score from that point on, and the Chiefs had trouble getting back into the end zone outside of Jarek McKinnon and Willie Gay Jr. being the ones to help get it done until they return with the offense later in the game as well. A weird game that we have plenty of room to discuss. We'll take your calls as we do it. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Derrick. We'll hear from all three of them, all three chief superstars uh, later on in the show as well. Joshua Briscoe with you here. And uh, Patrick Mahomes and Frank Clark have both tweeted about this game already. Mahomes tweets, appreciate my team, man. Picked me up today. Hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. And Frank Clark tweets, terrible freaking game! Exclamation point. We will get better as a collective. With late games in the season, it's imperative that we operate on the same page as one. Love. One is in all caps, and the next level is like a dash, and then the word love. Like he's signing it with love. It's my interpretation, at least. Chiefs 
leaders and tweeters on both sides of the ball know that is not a way that the Chiefs are going to win a Super Bowl, even though it was the way they won the game, which could be a way that they win the AFC West. But I think that is going to really kind of be the, the, the coloration in your lenses as you look at this game. Are you looking at good enough to beat a good defense and an offense that looked better than it should have in Denver, even though a lot of those points came off turnovers? Or are you going to look at that and say, oh, hey, this is a team that has higher aspirations than the Denver Broncos, regardless if they play this way against the Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, maybe? That will be the end of their season. That's generally the lens that I look at it through. It doesn't always mean it's the right way to do it, but it's generally where I'm coming from. Um, had this mentioned earlier, uh, Travis said that uh, he wanted to respond to the idea that Andy Reid should have been over chewing out and uh, chewing out to Patrick Mahomes after the picks, as Gary mentioned early on. I just wanted to mention that at least because I think I think Travis is on the the right side of the coin on that one. If I see Andy Reid ever screaming at Patrick Mahomes, that will be the story of that game <laughs> because that's not how that relationship seems to work, nor is that something that Patrick Mahomes needs. Patrick Mahomes is aware of his mistakes and how damaging they are. I, he wasn't making them because he didn't think... he could Because he thought Andy Reid would be fine with it. He's not Zach Wilson. Yeah. And even I don't know that screaming at Zach Wilson would help. He's just Zach Wilson. Explaining how Patrick Mahomes made these mistakes today when we hear from him later on will be very interesting. But I am... I am not here for Andy Reid needs to start yelling at Patrick Mahomes so he knows not to throw picks. Holmes is aware of that. That part's not the concern. We'll keep it moving on the phone lines. Appreciate everybody waiting on hold, including George. George, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, George? How are you feeling? Always, always happy to be here, guys. I, uh, I imagine you're just happy to get through this day of football. Well, it, considering that Houston is your next opponent, <laughs> and, and they gave everything they could to a Cowboys team who should have known better and should have done better, which is the whole point that I want to make about the Chiefs game. Yep. Is that Frank Clark had it right. He's angry that this game wasn't put away. He's angry that we sat there at 27 to nothing and let the team, the the Broncos, get back into the game. And the, the key for me, wasn't any of the interceptions, though that was important. Wasn't the lack of, of non-factor, basically, of Kelsey in the game. It was at the point, 27 to nothing. The, the, uh, it was a third down play. And instead of letting Pacheco run it like he just had before that play, third and two, they throw a ball, it's incomplete, they have to punt. That first punt is where they let the game go. And as you always say, everybody owns a piece of the, the piece of the problem. When is someone going to say, I'm going to be part of the solution? That's what Frank Clark is asking the rest of the team. Yeah. I'm angry that no one is, is taking that responsibility on themselves. The team has to be better. The group has to be better. But where's that one individual who's going to take it and say, I'm part of the problem. I need to be part of the solution. Where, where are we going to hear that from? George, I appreciate it because it's a good question, my friend. Uh, glad you made it through the day successfully because that game uh, in, in Texas oh, seemed... Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Trust 
trust me. You know, the, the, the Dallas-Houston game was down to the last stupid play of the game. Yeah. And they could have won it again. They could have socked it away three times earlier on the goal line. You you saw some. Uh, you might have had a little Groundhog Day with your football today, George. I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll answer your question. Uh, we uh, we'll open up the another phone line. Appreciate you, George, as always. Frank Clark said it, and what I'm curious about is not just who will say it, but who can do it. Because Chris Jones can say it, and also Chris Jones did it. Because I think what George is saying there about hey, some who's going to be the person that that makes the positive impact play. That's the question I've been asking for the last couple of weeks. Chris Jones did it today on multiple occasions. Willie Gay did it today on multiple occasions. Uh, George Karloftis did it a couple of times. Jones and Gay, I think, obviously, Gay has the pick six. Jones has a few of those game record plays. That's what, like, legit playmakers can do for you in turning the tides of a game. The Chiefs have a lot of guys kind of in that Juan Thornhill category where he was really bad last week and it didn't seem great today. We'll see when we can, you know, get the All-22 and actually see the secondary more clearly. But you have a lot of guys who have non-noteworthy days. You have some guys who have legit bad days. Ultimately, I think that if you can hold steady, you need peaks from your superstars. And the Chiefs right now are looking like a looking like an EKG. I mean, it is it, we are all over the place here on the ups and downs. And I don't, I don't think the personnel is going to change meaningfully. I, I don't think Leo Chanel is going to solve anything. So you play it. You're you're a flawed team that is. Maybe this is what it looks like to be quote unquote reloading. And the good news, I think Mick Schaefer tweeted this already and, and really nailed it if that was, if I am properly crediting Mick on this. But the Chiefs are a flawed team with problems who could totally win the Super Bowl because the rest of the league is filled with flawed teams with problems. The Eagles right now might, they might be the exception there. But the Bills have played close teams against, uh, close games against bad teams. The entire AFC East has had those moments. The Bengals have had those moments. It's a complicated sport. It's just the Chiefs aren't going to make any of it look terribly easy, it seems. Next up, we got Ryan on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Ryan? How you feeling? Well, not too bad. Um, everybody's freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Panicking. Uh, Bucker was perfect today. I love that you find the positives. See? you got to. You've got, You've to. got to. Hey, uh, no... Uh, Probably uh, Denver's uh, Super Bowl. I mean, they were all clapping when they were down by 14 or 13, whenever they got back to 14, you know, 27. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, 27 nothing. Uh, yeah, Chiefs got to figure out a way to put those away. Uh, I think you go back to running the ball. You got to switch. Got, like we were talking about last week, got to learn how to adjust. And uh, I'm not saying that we don't. Um, I don't know who – Who's stopping them from running the ball a little bit more? Uh, I, I'm not even say just run the clock, of course. Uh, what I'm afraid of, though, in all reality, people are talking about coaches. I'm not worried about the defense at all. I mean, Spagnuolo does not worry me at all. Who else are you going to get? Yeah, Nobody. I, so I don't want to. I, I don't want to hear it. So mm-hmm. um, I think he's done good. He's won. What, how many Super Bowls has he won? One, right? Um, two. So two total. Yeah, I think that's right. That's two Super Bowls. That's, that's mm-hmm. more than eighty. 
I mean, what are we doing here? And I, that I'm starting to get more worked up the more I talk about it because I can't I can't take the Chiefs fans keep doing the overreaction kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. They will will be all right. Here's what I'll say: um, What I am, I guess, down the road in one or two years, when does it get to the point where Patrick's going to be the one that's the the decision decider? You know, like he's yes. the one that's calling the plays instead of arguing with the players on the side. He's telling you to get the ball, get the play in, get the play in, and we're t- kind of like Jordan. All right. So is Andy Reid the Phil Jackson? Who knows? But when he's telling you to get the play in, do we trust Patrick yet enough to do what he's seeing, yeah. right? Because he's on the field, or do we? Who who is? So when we go over to the sideline, we're not going to keep going for it. I think that was a good call at the earlier part of the game, like going for the field goal. Um, Patrick wanted to go for it. Andy Reid saying, "Go come over here, sit down." You know, not sit down, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's a long game. We're playing the Broncos and such like that. That That's a good decision at that point in the game. But as it goes on, who's the person that's telling Patrick no? Because it's going to get to the point where we talk about how much money he does make. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the – it's going to get to the point where he's like a Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. where he is going to be the deciding factor. And um, it is weird whenever you see him wanting to call a play. And not get in his way. And he doesn't throw a fit or anything like that. He doesn't do that. I'm just saying, you know he wants to go, and is it him just overdoing it or not? But I think we, hey, we've got a W today. I'm not going to go over it. We're going deep into that. But it is interesting to see when we're talking about coaching and stuff like that, it's always interesting when you see Patrick come over and he doesn't get his way. Like somebody's going to eventually have to argue with that a little bit yeah. and know why he's not getting that way. I don't know. I'm probably going too deep. we got a W. I don't give a shit. So, sorry. Hey, sorry about it. Sorry about it. We won. Uh, go Chiefs. Bye. Appreciate it, Ryan. I don't know if the apology was for the absolutely filthy language. We dumped it. We're all right. I think it's an interesting question, Ryan. I really do. I was listening to the ESPN Daily podcast. I think it was like from like Monday last week. I was a couple days behind. But it was the Andrew Luck Podcast with Pablo Torre talking to Seth Wickersham, who wrote the big story on on Andrew Luck, kind of the first sort of look at what his life is and what his retirement was like since he walked away. The part of it that I think is interesting, I'm not predicting uh, Patrick Mahomes' early retirement. Take a deep, take a deep breath. But what I thought was kind of interesting was they they talked about how you know Peyton Manning really ran the building in Indianapolis, and then when he got hurt and they cut him and they drafted Andrew Luck, they really expected Andrew Luck to run the building the same way, despite he, him not really being that way in, uh, in at Stanford, not really expecting to be that way as a day one number one overall draft pick, but that was sort of forced on him. I think that once Andy Reid retires, whenever that is, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes' team first, and then the head coach's team second, if that's Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy or Joe Blameyer or someone who's not on the staff that I'm not currently thinking of. And I think right now, Andy Reid says he has 51% of the vote. When you have 51% of the vote, it means you have 100% of the deciding sway. If it's 51-49, you win. So you really have 100% of the vote. You're taking, you're taking suggestions, 
but it's Andy Reid's final call. I think he partially does that as an accountability thing. I think he partially does that because he is Andy Reid and this is his team. I think that's been beneficial to Patrick Mahomes in lots of ways to step into an organization that was not asking him to immediately be the savior, that had a head coach, that had established a culture here, that does have a way of running things. But I think that that's just the answer to the question Ryan is asking. And I imagine that whoever it is that's coaching this team next, it it will be Patrick Mahomes' team. And he will want to have a head coach. He should not be the head coach and the play caller and the quarterback. Frankly, he should not be the, the play caller. But I, I would like for Patrick Mahomes to have, maybe it becomes 50-50. Maybe Patrick Mahomes ends up with the 51 but I think it's an interesting question about the future of where this team goes. I think it's still probably years away, but I think it's a, an interesting angle at it. Next up, we got Kyle on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Kyle, how you feeling? Hey, Josh. Hey, thank you for taking my call. And I like you guys. I, I like you guys as always. And by the way, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to you and the, and all of the 810 crew. You guys do a great job. Thank you, so, Kyle. Appreciate that. I, I, uh, my three points I want to make here real quick is I'm not going to blame all of this game on the defense tonight because the offense put the defense in bad situation. Uh, Mahomes threw, I believe, two picks on the uh, Broncos uh, on the Broncos side of the field. Yeah. So that and you're just asking too much for the defense for that. So that's the two touchdowns where Russell Wilson, but. Overall, I thought the defense did an okay job. The offense has put the defense in bad situations. So that's my first point I want to make. The second point I want to make is I think Travis Kelsey and the guys are going to be fine. I, I'm not going to be too much worried about. Uh, but this game, but you have a 27 nothing lead and you let that slip, almost slip that away. I mean, a win's a win. You're absolutely right. But you just, it's just, you don't, it's just hard to watch a 27 nothing lead turn into a six point win. That's, yeah. you can't, you can't, you have to do a better job holding on to the lead. And the Chiefs did that in the AFC Championship game last year. So that's got to be corrected, is hold on to big leads like that. Thirdly, um, the third point I want to make is I I don't what what did, what was the personal foul call on Frank Clark? I never me saw my, it. I never saw me, it. They never showed a replay. No, and that's another frustrating thing. Okay, so if you're gonna call a penalty, I think us the fans should know what what happened. Absolutely, because that's just that's just excuse my language, but that's BS. If you ask me that it's uncalled for. I'll, and I'll listen off the air, Josh, and I'm sorry for rambling, but no, uh, thank you for taking my call. You're good, man. I appreciate you saying, I apologize for the language, BS. That you abbreviated, and that's the important part, man. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, here, This is a good point and something that I, I neglected to mention sooner. I really should have. I My criticisms of the defense in this game are going to stand on what we've talked about so far. But it is 100% absolutely fair to say that the offense put the defense in bad positions today. That is absolutely fair and true and valid. The, the defense got short fields to defend after those two early interceptions especially. And the defense scored six points of their own on the pick six. They scored six points. 
And then they gave up a four-play, 42-yard drive on the touchdown after the first pick and a seven-play, 60-yard drive on the second one. That second one is a little harder to swallow. I would have been much more willing. If Mahomes doesn't throw that pick, it doesn't matter. I would have been much more willing to write off that first one as really being the offense's fault. And again, that comes after they scored their own touchdown defensively. I do think that's fair. And I also still think it's fair to expect more of the defense in that process. But uh, really good call there, Kyle. I I think that's uh, a lot of very fair observations. One more call before we take a quick timeout. Next up, we got Dan. Dan, how you feeling after 34-28 Chiefs? I feel great. I feel great, Joshua. Even though the game got a little too close, you know, I when the Willie game made that uh, interception off of uh, Russell Wilson twice and nothing. I saw Kelsey relaxing there on the sideline. <laughs> I was relaxing too. I thought the the game was over. But they, you know, I, and they asked Andy after the game, you know, why when it was twenty-seven nothing, why not run it a couple of times? You know, I don't mind uh, Patrick throwing it, but you know, running the ball, you're up twenty-seven. You know, I, I would have done that too. You know, but anyway, I win the win, and I'm watching the Dolphins uh, knock off the knock off the Chargers and win that. AFC West for some straight years because uh, David Carr said in NFL Network this would be the Chargers division. Take care of yourself, Joshua. Let's take care of the Texans. Dan, stay on the line for me real quick, my friend. Appreciate you calling in pretty much every single week. We lost Dan. Dan, call back in and get a hold of Beards because uh, I want to make you our Greengrass Cattle Co. Caller of the Week. Dan always brings the good energy, good takes there as well. Also, good tastes from Greengrass Cattle Co. It's all brought to you by Greengrass Cattle Company. Visit their store in Weston, Missouri off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch or order online at greengrasscattleco.com and they'll deliver right to your door. Locally owned and operated right there in Weston, Missouri. Best practices, best cattle, best overall experience for the cattle, best overall product for you. Visit them online again at greengrasscattleco.com and they'll deliver right to you. We're going to send some uh, to Dan as well. If we can get him back on the line. Call back in, Dan. You're always, you're always so quick at the trigger to get back on the phone lines. There's free beef waiting for you now. Got to call back in. She's going to use a little more beef of their own today, but enough to get it done over the Broncos. Not the dominant AFC West victory you'd like to see, but enough for the time being. We'll talk about it much more on the other side of the break. Chiefs 34, Broncos 28 in a stressful victory in the AFC West. Josh Briscoe, Bears McFly, Dylan Michaels bringing it to you here. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Man hidden. Fake it. Wilson. Intercepted. Picked up by Willie Gay. And Gay is going to take it all the way. Touchdown, Kansas City. And that's Denver's season in a nutshell. It wasn't all good for the Chiefs' defense, but it certainly started that way. And it wasn't always the Denver season in a nutshell, but it certainly was on that play. That was some great defense, though, from Willie Gay Jr. If you need a little more fence in your life, why not try Slagle Fence? When you need a fence, call Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence installs it all from wood to ornamental steel to vinyl to chain link. No job is too large, and it'll look great, too. Schedule your free estimate by going to slagelfence.com or call 816-863-6159. 
It is funny to listen to those highlights. It feels like listening to highlights from from an entirely different team ago. But the Chiefs defense made one huge play there. They made some good plays over the rest of the game as well. Frankly, it needed to because if it would have been a little bit worse, this game might have ended a little bit worse than it did. Ultimately, though, the Chiefs are victorious in a game that just isn't all that much fun to talk about. I'm going to clear out a bunch of phone calls here. Uh, then we'll uh, get Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes as well. I'm going to read you one tweet first before I hit the phones again. Because sometimes after a game like this, I, I really do genuinely like I, I, I want to look around and and figure out the places where maybe I'm on an island and figure out why or to see if there are other people whose opinions I respect that are leaning one direction or another. Because I think it's good to have other, you know, other perspectives just to make sure you're not totally seeing something wrong or whatever. And there are a handful of times where I try to kind of throttle back or, or readjust my, my what I'm seeing on the fly and then I see somebody else give an opinion and in this case, it's from Mitchell Schwartz. Here's the point on Mitchell Schwartz. I, I think he is tremendously unlikely to be an overreactor. He's actually played in games like this. He has played in Denver many a time. He knows Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes incredibly well. Eric Bieniemy as well. I'm sure he knows Spags well. Not on his side of the ball, obviously, in his playing days. But I, I think Mitchell Schwartz is willing to be critical but is not going to do it just for the sake of being critical. And I think he knows what's going on in that building, obviously. So I think he's a pretty good mile marker. And if I disagree with him, I need to explain my thinking, right? Anyway, that's, I go through that process sometimes, just seeing where, where, the, uh, where the perspectives pop up from and how I can use that to be a little more informed from a different angle. And here's what Mitchell Schwartz tweeted about an hour ago. He said, let's start with the positives. A win... 27-0 start, crazy Pat TD, and a physical four-minute drive against a good defense. The negatives? Everything else? I think we all thought this would be the game where we dominate start to finish. Sure looked that way early. What do you think? End tweet from Mitchell Schwartz. The point of me giving you my whole, like, how I, how I do and don't look for other perspectives or whatever and reading you that tweet and telling you what I think about Mitchell Schwartz, is if that's his reaction, I don't think we are overreacting to where the Chiefs did, at least to some extent, disappoint in this game. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism of the defense really burns. I think that's where the, the issues with Mahomes' picks really come through. It was 27 to nothing. It looked like a dominant performance at pretty much all angles. Frank Clark's already said a terrible freaking game, as I read you earlier. But this looked like it was going to be the game that could have ended with what I mean, the Chiefs could have named the score. 27 nothing, 37-0, 45-0, 50-2. I mean, who knows, right? We could have gotten a beard, we could have gotten a beard score. Could, could have been anything they wanted to set the score to. That's how it felt through that the majority of that first half. And I think if you're the Chiefs, you want to finish a game that way. You want to go out there and sun a team that you haven't seen yet this season in your own division who you don't care for very much. So that that's how you can end up having a quote-unquote disappointing win. On the other side, Frank Clark says, terrible freaking game. 
Juan Thornhill just tweeted, no matter how you get a dub, it, uh, you know, a win, a W, he writes, no matter how you get a W, it is all that matters, 1-0 each week, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. Different players have different ways of working through all of this. Last week, we saw Thornhill tweet about how fans get really critical after losses, and the Joshua Williams tweeted that it was on him, and he had to be better. You'll find different guys taking different approaches. I think they're always at least kind of interesting to note. Back to the phones. If you're on hold right now, we'll try to get your call in before we take our next time out, starting with Paul. Paul, appreciate you waiting on hold, my friend. What's up? You're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hey, guys, that, that went to me is like seeing your ex-girlfriend and thinking, man, she's looking pretty good. Then all of a sudden you're like, God, I, my life is miserable. i got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I feel about today's win. <laughs> so, a couple of serious points. I thought the two interceptions to the middle of the field, the 7-10 to 10 yard range, I thought Denver knew that was coming. Mm. It looked like that rookie knew that Kelsey is going in the middle. And I think, where's the guy from the Giants? Has he left town already? Where is he at? It just seems like. We're going to Kelsey, that 7-10 to 10 yard range in the middle, and they knew it was coming. They just sat on a third in that rookie. And then the other thing is, guys, when we go up against the number one receiver, Judy, Diggs, Chase, they've got to scheme. They've they got to do something. I know we got some young guys out there, but they've got to do something. Because as we move forward, that's going to be an Achilles heel for us. They don't get tactically smarter. And this, the two running backs we got, McKinnon and Pacheco, man, let's get those horses. Let's do the Dallas thing. Let's ride those guys a little bit, take a little pressure until we get these wide eyes because we can't go vertical right now, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, Paul, sir. I, I no no sorry man. I was just sitting here like yeah, Paul's cooking right now. I like what Paul's brought to the table. So I was letting you host the show for me. Uh, I'll I'll answer you off air, Paul. Appreciate the call as always. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. That's good stuff, man. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, especially the idea of hey, run the run those running backs until that vertical game comes back. Some that I, I've talked a lot, and I think I'm stealing this phrase from the athletic football show because I, I'm constantly stealing from them. They do incredible work over there. But the, the idea of the easy button, I mentioned at the very top of the show, you mentioned the guy from New York, very top of the show, I mentioned that this offense misses McCole Hardman and Kadarius Tony. not even just because they're field stretchers, like that vertical game is going to be more of an MVS thing because Hardman's ball tracking ability isn't that of Tyreek Hill. That's okay. He's an excellent player, does a lot of things really well. Kadarius Tony still to be seen what he does in terms of going deep, but like what those guys can do in space to stretch a defense can make the rest of your offense work a little more smoothly. I think that's the kind of fundamental theory behind this evolution of the Chiefs offense, maybe even behind a West Coast offense with that kind of speed. That's oversimplifying it, but it works me here. The idea that the, the Broncos were ready for those picks, they knew that something was coming over there. Really interesting. Not something that I think is is impossible. The Broncos, even with the first-year defensive coordinator, as we've talked, like, hey, if you really hate Steve Spagnuolo, which I don't, is not where I'm starting with any of this, but if you want to fire Spags, you got to find somebody better than him to hire. Broncos have a first-year defensive coordinator over there who does seem to have his defense ready to go. Also, that defense is more talented than the Chiefs' defense is. That's the measure of... GM and team structure and allocation of resources and coaching and execution and all of that. It's the reason there's no simple answer to any of this. And thank God for it, because if there are simple answers to all of this, this entire sports talk radio platform, sports talk media altogether would not be nearly as fun because we could have different answers to this to different results with the same pieces to start with. It's it's up to your interpretation. But the Broncos seem pretty well coached over there with all that talent they have. And 
If they were well coached and then ready to make the play, that's how you punish a good offense. And I, I do wish the Chiefs had a little more of that on a more regular basis. I say that on a day where Willie Gay brought a pick, a pick six back and where Chris Jones basically threw an interception for himself um, with that hit he put on. And then Legereus Sneed uh, catches it down the field. Trent McDuffie should have had a pick right at the beginning of the game. That drive ended without points anyway, but it would have been nice. Interesting stuff there, and I uh, I think worth keeping in mind. Next up, we go to Butch. Butch, you're on 8-10. What's up, man? Gentlemen, <laughs> how about those Chiefs? How about them, Butch? Hey, you know, I, yeah, oh my goodness gracious. Look, when is we, we're the most front-running fan base ever. <laughs> That's okay. I'm okay with it. I sat there and actually thought for a second that the Chiefs were going to be 27 points better than the Denver Broncos, and they're mm. not. But that's a, you know how fun that is to be disappointed that that's not the case? Mm-hmm. Either way, I went into this game before the game. My prediction was that it'd be a close win for the Chiefs, but it'd be in the opposite direction. Offense would struggle, going up against good defense, yep. right? And then you break away later. It just happened in reverse, and it happened in odd ways. So I think that's kind of what Mitchell Schwartz is getting at. But on the flip side of it, the bad. So you have the good there, right? Mm-hmm. Where the, the offense actually is able to do things against a very good defense. They made a couple of boneheaded mistakes. That happens. The flip side of it, the bad, man, I don't know. The the, the contract year is no longer undefeated. Yep. I'm sorry, Juan, because yep. you might have to get up out of here, G. I've never seen somebody <laughs> play this bad in a position where they'd be able to get so much money. Either way, I, they're this close, right? They're this close to none of this mattering at all. This close, but we're seeing it's tough because we see, even in a division game, we see how they're going to potentially lose in the playoffs because you can't be the team that has the worst turnover differential in the playoffs and expect to beat really good teams. That's just not going to happen. Yep. They still have time, whatever. It was a great division win. If there were ever going to be a game where Denver was going to put up a fight, it was going to be this one in Denver. Next time, I fully expect to splatter them, and that will happen. Save the flavor one. It's just a good win. Take it and go. Appreciate it as always, Butch. Yeah, the Chiefs see this team again in what, two weeks? Three? Something like that? Uh, maybe Melvin Gordon's out there for that game. Just ride him for uh, 60 minutes. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, three games out for both of the, the Broncos and Chiefs. Yeah, cause it's, it's Texans, Seahawks, and then, uh, and then Broncos again for Kansas City. Uh, next up here, we've got Jay. Jay, you're on Sports Radio 810. What's up, Jay? Hey, thanks for taking a call. Love the, your uh, post game. Thank uh, you. Y- yet again, Yet again, though, it's another forgettable and uninspired win by this Chiefs team. I think a year down the road, we're not even going to remember that we played this game, to be honest with you. Um, But here's my complaint. It's the offense seems like they just kind of sputter. And we've seen this for weeks now, even against the sorry Rams. And so maybe this is what happens when you continue to strip Mahomes from all of his weapons. But at some point, you've got to get some continuity with these receivers. And, and we've been living on this idea that, okay, Juju's going to go sign somewhere else and he'll sign somewhere else and et cetera. Uh, well, Sammy Watkins, who I know I wouldn't take him right now, but he signed somewhere else. It's, we can't expect Mahomes to be a magician. And, 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 you know, being a quarterback is all about timing and, and rhythm and all those things when he's got new dance partners as wide receivers yeah. uh, uh, every year. And so I think that's what bothers me when I look ahead to the long-term future of of this organization and him. And secondly, Andy Reid just does not step on someone's throat, does he? Mm -hmm. Because 
that will bite you in the playoffs. We've already seen it in the past, even before Mahomes was a chief. And I think that's what's so frustrating about today. It's just the same. And listen, Andy Reid's a top three coach, right? Mm -hmm. But that's his biggest flaw right now is he doesn't step on the gas when he's got the lead like Bill Belichick did. And you could even say that that was a bit of a complaint last week yeah. and on a much more microcosmic scale. It was fourth and three. I can lose a game as a Chiefs fan if Mahomes is at quarterback and he lost it, right? Yep. I can't swallow a loss when it's at with Harrison Butker's foot or my defense is on the field. Yep. And regardless, Andy Reid just hasn't figured that out yet. But anyway, I love your show and, and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, the playoff run here. Thanks for taking the call. Jay, I appreciate that. I have virtually nothing to add on the, that last point because, yeah, I, I think killer instinct or stepping on the throat or whatever oftentimes is, is just what people say when the offense doesn't do enough. And, you know, they, just didn't, they didn't keep pushing it. Well, you know, maybe the defense adjusted. Where I think that criticism is fair is in fourth and short. Do you Are you willing to have the possibility that you are going to get turned away here but it is going to come with Patrick Mahomes on the field, which also means you have the ability to put the game away here. That that part of it is infuriating to me. I, I think, Jay, I think you said that already very well. I want to mention the wide receiver continuity thing. I think it's very interesting. Here is the place where I will say this will, this the knife's edge this will sit on for me. If this is the year where the Chiefs have wide receiver overhaul because they trade Tyreek Hill and they bring in a bunch of new guys, which started with bringing in Juju, and then it was bringing in, I think it was Juju first and then MVS. It doesn't really matter, but it's bringing in those guys as you ship out Tyreek Hill, and it's drafting Sky Moore, and then it's trading for Kadarius Toney, while it's also adding Justin Watson and losing McCole Hardman for four games late in the season. Even, before, even if you leave Hardman in, though, pre-injury. That is a ton of turnover. If next year they lose Juju and they lose Watson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think this is a trend and then I think it's a problem. If this is the year where you have a lot of turnover and they keep MVS around, they keep Watson around, they will keep Tony, they will keep Sky Moore, even if they lose McCole Hardman, Juju is the one that I really think could go either way. But I think there would be some continuity again with this group going in the next year, where this year was the reset. But you mentioned Sammy Watkins and just generally trying to figure out how you want to weaponize those elements around Patrick Mahomes. I think that's something to keep an eye on that I will be thinking about this entire offseason. And part of it, I think, is the guys who have stepped in. I, I MVS will give you a couple of those plays where you see his skills really come through, but he has not been any sort of overwhelming weapon. He's kind of a get-it-when-it's-there guy, it seems like, for the most part. He can win some one-on-ones every once in a while. A good weapon, but not an overwhelming one. Juju, I think, is excellent. He catches pretty much anything you get to him. He'll win one-on-one matchups every once in a while. Really good possession receiver. Great after the catch. Isn't necessarily... Stressing out defenses, though, I imagine. Travis Kelsey is the guy that stresses out defenses. But you know the range he'll attack you in, at least, like the depth of the field. 
That's why I keep mentioning, I think this team misses McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney and the skill sets they bring. I didn't see a lot of motion today, at least not the stuff that Sky Moore was running a little bit of after Hardman's injury. That element of the offense is missing. The the speed that it was Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, and now it's McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney. Not, again, not all of Tyreek Hill altogether. Of course, that would be nice. But just that specific parts of the game that, that he and Hardman and Tony share the skill set of, I think the offense misses those guys. We'll see if this ends up being a trend of auto one-year deals and overhauling, or if they're trying to build that foundation. We also have not seen Sky Moore become a, a consistent part of this offense on a regular basis. That is, I don't even know if it's concerning to me in the long haul. It is concerning to me, I guess, in the short term. I'll give you, I'll give you that. It, Sky Moore's level of involvement is concerning in the 2022 sense. Next up, we go to Jake. Jake, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Jake? Hey, how's it going? Uh, just moved to Maryland about a year ago, so I listened to the 810 app to keep my connection with KC. I appreciate that, Jake. That's great to hear. All right, I'm going to start with the positives first. There's been a lot of uh, nit picking and complaining, which I understand, but let's start with the positives. Sure. Um, One, this is like the long game, but what if Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett played and coached just good enough to stick around for one more year? That would be fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I, Russ will definitely be there. We'll see on Hackett. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind a little hot streak for them. Sure. Second, I give my game ball to Trey Smith. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal tonight. And to flip to the negatives, is the game slowly passing Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid by? I'm not sure. I think it's a bit strong, but I want to hear where you're laying it out, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I think. Lay it out for me. The, uh, I would say the decision-making on fourth down. Deeply frustrating. And to yeah. kick yeah. field goals and punt more than we should. And then Spagnuolo, I think everyone has a blueprint on how to play him. He blitzes heavy, and I don't think it would kill him to drop more people in coverage and get a – Covered sack every once in a while. Yeah, I think I'll. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. That's all I got. I was not the air. Thanks, guys. Jake, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I just want to make sure you uh, you had fired out the uh, the remainder in the chamber there because I think those are at least the right places to look. Whenever we talk about again, I think we talk about coaching and then it becomes about tackling. I think we lose the plot a little bit on like what what you're actually looking for coaches to do differently from one guy to the other. I think when you go to some of the schematics, some of the specifics that Jake mentioned there, I think there's something to it. I do think Andy Reid, I don't want to say the game is passing him by. I think he's behind the curve on letting Patrick Mahomes stay on the field on fourth and short as opposed to Harrison Butker and Tommy Townsend. The, the Chiefs are all right in the grander scope of the league in terms of going for it when they should. Um, I haven't seen the most recent numbers on that, but they over the Andy Reid era, they've generally been pretty good there. They've been great on first down passing usage. But on fourth downs, even when they're in go situations, uh, at least most of the like generic models aren't accounting for who your quarterback is or who your tight end is or how often your t- your quarterback finds that tight end four yards downfield automatically on a regular basis. So I think Andy Reid is is 
leaving meat on the bone, if you will. When you quote-unquote take the points, I'm going to start saying you're leaving meat on the bone. You're leaving points on the board. I do think Andy Reid is, is not maximizing his own team in that regard. I wonder, and I, I would need to see more information on this, I wonder if Steve Spagnuolo has become predictable. That's a question I would hear out much more than I would hear like, oh, Spag sucks and they don't tackle. But it, has there been a predictability in this Chiefs defense? I, I could see that. I also, here's what I, would, here's what I would make my specific concern to what I think is generally kind of a fun idea. Hey, blitz a little less, drop a little more, throw something different out there. What do you think will happen if the Chiefs only rush three or only rush four? That would be my honest question. If they honestly, rushing rushing three might be the way to do it because Chris Jones is going to have to beat a double team regardless. So if you want to just put Clark Karloftis and Chris Jones out there to try to just punch dudes, or maybe you put Jones on the edge and throw Colin Saunders in the middle and try some of that, I'd be interested in seeing it. Because the Chiefs blitzing these last couple of games has not appeared to be terribly effective when they have gone to that. Something to it. When the Chiefs rush four, they lose. Unless Chris Jones beats the double team. And when you have all those rookie corners that have their own issues and just learning curves, you leave them on an island and that might not be the place that you actually do win the matchup. So you put your chips in on the pressure to give your secondary the chance, as opposed to putting your chips in on the secondary to just try to hang on for dear life for a few seconds to give your pass rush a chance. The pass rush speeds up the clock on the play. The coverage is is holding on for dear life. I understand why you would prefer the pressure to the coverage specifically with this group, but those results aren't really paying the dividends you'd like to see defensively, so it becomes a very fair question. I went to this last week, and it's a little bit unfair. Man, I just wish Breland Speaks would have been good. Frankly, even if if Chris, I, I, I didn't love the trade at the time. If Frank Clark would have been the guy the Chiefs expected over the life of his contract, this whole conversation is totally different. And this might be another place where you could fairly criticize Steve Spagnuolo. Say, hey, if you need two elite or one elite and one very, very good pass rusher to have a good defense, you need to have a better setup. Because we can't just always bless you with that. If I said, well, look, give Andy Reid Tyree Kill back. Well, if you need Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to have a good offense, so I could come up with a good offense for those three guys. I think that would be a fair critique if that is the case. I just, I wish this team could get pressure with four with any consistency because then I think we'd be having completely different conversations about this group. I think that's maybe where the hesitance in my Spags criticism even comes from is because if they just had a second consistent pass rusher, I think it all feels different. Or if even if they just had a bunch of guys who could, as a unit, get there consistently enough. I think the conversation feels very different. But they don't, so it's not, and it's frustrating. 
I'm Joshua Briscoe. Beers McFly on the other side of the glass. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes coming up next here in the show. In the meantime, when Kansas City scores, you score big. Your local CBD American Shaman. Our team's score is your percent off, and they scored 34 points tonight. So you get 34% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more. CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes coming up next. Beards, what you got? Uh, Henry Winkler has tweeted at Patrick Mahomes. He says, on all caps, congratulations. And little caps to you and the team. If Henry Rinkler's happy, we can all be happy. Second and goal. Mahomes flipping underneath. McKinnon turns it upfield. Dives. Touchdown. Second of the day for Jarek McKinnon. And he gives it up for the big man Spike. Kansas City builds on its lead. Jarek McKinnon got the touchdown. Creed Humphrey got the spike. That's our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank. For more, visit them online at centralbank.net. Oh, the touchdowns came so easily once upon a time for the Kansas City Chiefs. 27 to nothing feels so very long ago. But ultimately, the Chiefs still get the victory. They scored just seven points from that point on. Maybe this is why the game just doesn't feel all that satisfying. The Chiefs went up 27 to nothing and then lost the rest of the game 28 to 7. Now they won the game 34 to 28, so that's not really how it works. But that is how it feels to watch. And so the Chiefs' performance in this one was certainly up and down. We'll hear about it now from the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs as Andy Reid went to the podium to talk about the game immediately following the victory. Andy Reid is presented by Robert Brogdon Buick GMC and Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Visit BrogdonAutomotive.com. So a tale of two halves, perhaps, although the Chiefs didn't make it quite in a halftime before the Broncos began their comeback. Here's Andy Reid talking about his overall feelings on the game and how the Chiefs came out from an injury perspective. All right. Um, heck of a football game. Uh, these are um, the injury. I mean, really, we don't have, we don't have anything, so we're, we're good there. Um, great game. My hat goes off to Nathaniel and the job that he's done here. Um, those guys never gave up, down 27 to nothing. Um, you know, it's a tribute to um, the offense and defense playing hard. Second quarterback comes in. They still continue to play hard. Um, I've got to give a couple shout-outs to Kelsey, first of all, at uh, 10,000 career yards. He, he broke that t- tonight. And, uh, and then uh, – Seven years of uh, in a row of 1,000-yard games, so it's quite a tribute to him. And then, um, you know, just our defense. I thought our defense played played uh, hard, tremendous today, with the exception of you know a couple of the uh, interceptions there. We, um, the, the defense was in a bad position, but um, uh, short field. But I thought overall they they really played hard and aggressive and. And listen, um, McKinnon at 112 yards receiving, two TDs. Pacheco 70 yards, none bigger than that that last one. Juju nine nine catches for 74 yards. So, um, and then uh, Pat, I know I'm gonna be asked about that. Every quarterback that's played in this league a while has a game like that. And the one great thing about him is he kept firing and 
had a lot of big plays. And so, you know, you can't take away the, the three interceptions, but um, there sure were some good ones in between those. And and it's a great learning experience. But every every great one's done and had that. So, you, you know, it's one of those deals. And we, we were able to work through. Nobody hung their head. Everybody kept battling. And, and uh, we ended up finishing the game the right way. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's any grand cause for concern on Mahomes. Although um, Andy Reid asked and talked about that plenty. Um, I don't know. The defense played tremendous. They did play aggressive again, really up until almost the two minute warning in that first half. And he's right that the the Mahomes picks put the defense in some bad spots. But ultimately, uh, from the uh, about the two minute mark in that first half on, they certainly had their issues. But more on those interceptions from Patrick Mahomes here from Andy Reid. Well, he'll he'll see the 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 tape, um, and he saw the you know he knew where he where he goofed, uh, but he'll go back and look at the tape once we have a chance to do that. You could see, um, you know, he's got good enough feel for the game where he knows knows what he did wrong there. But that goes back to our earlier conversation about like does Andy Reid need to be like yelling at Mahomes in the sidelines? Uh, quote: He knew where he goofed. All right. We're just out here goofing around for those Mahomes interceptions. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Mahomes needs anyone to explain to him that picks aren't great. We'll hear from him shortly as well. Uh, here back to when the Chiefs were up twenty-seven to nothing. Andy Reid was asked about running the football more under those circumstances than the Chiefs did at that point today. Yeah, so we were trying to mix it and keep the pedal down. You know, that's a. Uh, these games, you you gotta stay on top of it, and um, and so that's what we were doing. We, we but we had a mix on there. You know what? I'm gonna. I think that is a totally fair answer, because I think that if we say, oh, well, then the Chiefs handled the ball off three times and then punted a couple drives in a row, we'd be saying Andy Reid took his foot off the gas, which we've talked about already in this game, and they throw the ball and it doesn't work, and we say, why was Andy Reid so aggressive? Why are they still throwing the ball at that point? Now. I think you can run the ball and keep your foot on the gas. <laughs> I, I think that world does exist, at least when your running game is uh, is a little more explosive, as the Chiefs can be at some times and isn't always very consistently. But I do think that, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want the Chiefs running the ball um, only, <laughs> for lack of a better term. You, you don't want that to become the only thing you're doing as you're I mean, even late in the game. You don't want to just be trying to burn the clock. You need first downs. You need to advance the football. You want to keep scoring. So uh, that's a delicate balance, and the Chiefs ultimately didn't strike it as well as they needed to today. Reed here talks more about Mahomes and the the composure that he's able to have in adverse circumstances, like in this game where he ends up turning the ball over three times. Yeah, well, listen, he's a great player, first of all, and he's got a great attitude. So... um, and he's got good people around him, and he trusts. You know, he trusts the players. The one to Scantling was a, a big play. He actually checked to that uh, route that Scantling ran, um, and was a play that we, we kind of narrow things down. If it comes down to the end of a game, what plays? What are your favorites? And that was one of his favorites. But it does have an alert on it where he he had to call Scantling on that on that route. So, um, uh, so anyways, his composure. He's great with it. I mean, he'll learn. He'll learn from uh, the mistakes, which is not everybody does, but he he will. 
I think he'll I think he'll figure it out. That that part doesn't concern me, but interesting to hear a little more of the inner workings there from Andy Reid. Uh, back to the idea of keeping your foot on the gas and putting teams away. Here's Andy Reid on that particular topic. Yeah, so we you know, we talk about that uh, all the time about hey, so you you got a team down this is a national football league. So the margin between winning and losing is like this. And and this team's had a bunch of games, 10 out of 12 games, where it was a one-score game. So you know that that 27 nothing lead, that might, you know, you got, you got to stay on top of it. And that goes back to uh, Adam's question. So you, you better stay on top of it. You better, you better put them away. And so we, we try to do that all the way around. All right, here's where I'm in the way again, though. If you're about putting teams away, this goes to the question again of staying aggressive and whatnot. Put them away on fourth and three. We have a chance with your offense. Hey, you have a chance to really advance the possibility that you are going to, quote unquote, put them away by staying on the field, eating more of the game. More importantly, continuing to stack touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. You want to put teams away. That's the fastest way to do it. Now, you got to figure out where your balance is. You got to figure out what your math says. But the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not I'm not nitpicking on any like fourth and eleven, like random backed up in your own territory nonsense. These are realistic go situations. Some of them were heavy go situations, but most of them were arguable. Genuinely, this isn't like, oh, you took you you missed an easy go. Andy Reid usually goes for it when they're down, you know, <laughs> six points on fourth and two in the other team's territory. When it's not obvious, though, that is a place where the Chiefs have room to improve, which is what frustrates me because it's not that complicated. I don't, I'm no mathematician. And I've more or less figured out a way where the Chiefs could, well, put teams away a little more efficiently. Next year from Andy Reid asked if they lost any edge or momentum to the Broncos. I don't think it was the edge. I just think, you know, the turnovers, uh, that, you know, that was pretty... Pretty evident that, that that got us, but um, battled back through it. And again, I mean, I, I do think without the turnovers, the defensive performance is not nearly as evident in where the negatives are at. And certainly the offense probably keeps rolling, and that's just a Mahomes problem. I just don't think it's a start of a trend. I think it's this game. Now you could say, hey, what happens if it's not a trend, but it is that game in the playoffs? Well, we saw it. He had a bad half in the AFC Championship game last year, and we've been talking about that bleep for the last uh, 11 months. And rightfully so. It was bad. And here we are. This was, a, this was a, a trio of bad moments in a game where Mahomes also did things that most other quarterbacks wouldn't even, maybe even literally, would not even think to do. This is, this is a really high, high, really low, low game for Mahomes. Again, this is what I think. This is the fan fiction of a game that people are writing around the draft. He hasn't had a lot of games like this. This ended up being one of them. Uh, again, here from McKinnon, or excuse me, from Andy Reid, talking about Mahomes and McKinnon, the connection those two had in that uh, one incredible no-look shovel sprinting to the sideline touchdown that Mahomes had. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't quite like it was drawn up. Listen, he, if he took it, and this is hard to say. I mean, it's hard for people to see that. But you take out the three interceptions, and he really had a heck of a game, you know, from, from my eyes. And um, so that's, you know, that's where, where I'm at. But you, you can't do, you can't obviously have the three 
three turnovers. On that play in particular, though, did you, did you get a good look at how he? Uh, I kind of saw it. Yeah, I kind of saw what was going on. It was on the other side of the field, but I, I got a pretty good idea of what he did there. I imagine he's uh, probably going to take another look at it on the flight back from Denver. But yeah, I didn't think that that was most likely how they drew it up. Uh, Last one here from Andy Reid. The Chiefs have not yet clinched the AFC West. And right now, as the Chargers and Dolphins play in L.A. on Sunday Night Football, the Chargers are up 10-0. Beard, is that over on ESPN Kansas City right now? People are sick of my voice already. I know we had the the Comets game down there, so I'm not sure what the schedule is. We'll bring you the second half of that game live here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, your home for the NFL. Yes. So And right now, it's over on ESPN Kansas City? Yes. Okay, so 15.10 a.m., 94.5 FM, if you want to check out the Sunday Night Football game now. But if you want to stick with us, uh, we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes momentarily, Matt Derrick later on, uh, Nathaniel Hackett tonight as well. Then we'll bring you the second half of Chargers and Dolphins right here on 8.10. But it's a 10-point lead for the Chargers right now. A couple of mistakes from the Dolphins I've seen, and uh, honestly, something like this game could be even worse for Miami, but uh, could be a, a real tight one. So anyway, I say all, all of that to say, if the if the Chargers lose to the Dolphins tonight, the Chiefs will clinch the AFC West. Uh, if the Chargers win, then all of this conversation will come back around next week, and the Chiefs will, I imagine, just lock up the AFC West with a victory over the Texans. I don't. I guess if the Chargers keep winning. Maybe the, there's some. I, I haven't looked at all the situations because, frankly, it's just a matter of time for the Chiefs. They're they're going to win the AFC West, uh, which is why the uh, the questions are being asked today. So Andy Reid was asked about the feeling of potentially winning the AFC West if the Chargers do in fact lose tonight, or if they have to wait and clinch it on their own uh, here to come. Yeah, well, we don't have it yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna reserve that because that can be taken a few different ways. I'm going to just reserve that until it, until it happens. Uh, I, I want to make sure we stay on top of it here, Adam. And if, if uh, the Chargers happen to win, we, we've got to, you know, we got to make sure we're right, too. So. Anything else? <clears throat> All right. That's more or less what I expected from Andy Reid there. It's uh, our friend Adam Teicher there. I thought it was the, the Adam in question. He's trying to, wants to, he wants to have a, a chance right about the AFC West, gosh darn it. And so far, the, the Chargers might be spoiling it, but uh, I, I kind of figured Andy Reid might pass on that until he's got the hat on his head. Uh, but postgame next week could be the time uh, if uh, oh, the uh, Chargers had just, just uh, lost a fumble here, it looks like. Well, hold on a second. Wait. The Dolphins lost a fumble. Oh, no. Well, if this happened, what happened was that the Dolphins lost the fumble. It popped out, and then a certain number 10 for Miami was holding it, who then escaped to the pile and took it to the house. Potentially one of the... Who is that, Josh? Stranger... I, you know, I can't... If I can see the back of his jersey. Hell, Maybe. Oh, Hall? Is it Hall? Ball is ripped out by the Chargers. Bounces around. I'm, I'm watching uh, number 10 is Tyreek Hill. Uh, watching him on the replay. He sees the ball pop out. It squirts out of the pile. He scoops it. Runs a big U-turn. 
and takes it for a touchdown. I believe they'll go down as a rushing touchdown in the fumble recovery for Tyree Kill. Uh, anyway, in the uh, AFC East and AFC West, the uh, the action continues as now the Chargers' lead is down to three points as that game has just gone 10-7 to on a totally bizarre Tyree Kill touchdown where he was at no point intended to touch the ball on that running play. Wow, what a weird one. So there's Andy Reid uh, talking about all sorts of things from Chiefs and Broncos. Again, that AFC West championship won't get locked up tonight if the Chargers win, but it will get locked up tonight if the Dolphins take the W. What about from the quarterback side? Yep, three picks and a weird day with a couple of great plays and a couple of crummy ones from Patrick Mahomes. We'll hear from him right after this. Patrick Mahomes press conference brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity Internet. Stay connected with Wi-Fi coverage that delivers the speed, reliability, and coverage you need. Can your internet do that? We're starting with the INTs for Patrick Mahomes. Three of them for 15, a rare sight to see. I imagine that Patrick Mahomes is probably not thrilled with his performance in the turnover department. Yeah, I mean, just just three bad decisions. Uh, if you look at them, uh, the, the first one, probably just took the easy throw to outside, try to force it to kills. Um the, the the second one, I really was just trying to burn it, and the, he, I mean, he made a hell of a play. I was trying to just throw it away at someone's feet. Um, and then the third one was just it's bad, bad, just because the situation. Um, we're, we're in field goal range, especially here at altitude, and we if I throw the ball away, no one's open, so just throw the ball away and let Harrison end the game. But uh, <clears throat> luckily for me, the, the rest of the team stepped up. Um, defense made a lot of stops in, in critical moments. Uh, when we were putting them in some bad situations. Um, and I thought even like special teams, they made their field goals. Tommy flipped the field a couple of uh, great times for us. Um, and um, the guys around me stepped up and made some plays happen. Okay, so play, play the beginning of that for me again real quick, Pierce, just for what, what happened on the very first pick. Yeah, I mean, just just three bad decisions. Uh, if you look at them, uh, the, the first one, Probably just took the easy throw to outside, try to force it to Kells. Okay, so he he wishes he would have gone with the easier throw instead of trying to force it there. So that that's the first one. Then the second one, he said he was just trying to burn it, just trying to throw it away. I guess that was sort of the shoestring one. Um, that's got to be a frustrating thing as a quarterback. But he says, hey, the guy makes a hell of a play. You can you, you can get over that, I suppose, despite it being obviously bad. But then the third one, quote, it's bad, bad. Patrick Mahomes knows those were not great. But uh, first one felt like trying to make a play. Second one felt like just didn't throw it away the right way, which is largely, I mean, unacceptable. Again, he, I don't. Nobody's coming to me to hear me keep Patrick Mahomes in line. But you can't, you can't have that. That's frustrating. But a guy makes a great play. Third one though sounds like the one that really bugs him. And uh, having three, I'm sure really bugs him. Uh, the INTs were on the bad side, but that touchdown pass to Jarek McKinnon, there were two, you've heard the highlights already here tonight, um, but that little no-looker was something special. Here's Patrick Mahomes on the touchdown to McKinnon. Yeah, that, that, that was, I was I was committed to running, and then I saw I was probably going to get hit like I did last week in Cincinnati, so I just kind of flicked it. I, I, I was just trying to get it to him whatever way possible, and I kind of just flicked it, and he made a great play after. Guys made some blocks on the field, and he scored a touchdown, so um, I, I got to just find that fine line of when I'm doing that type of stuff and it's good for us and when I do stuff and when it's bad for us. And I think that's that's something that I continue to work on and to continue to get better at. And here's the thing. I mean, on some level, that's going to be the case when he is hopefully. 
knock on wood, hopefully doing this at, let's just say, 65 years old. I will be 65 years old out there hopping around, doing something totally nonsense that creates a huge play, and then every once in a while, every few weeks, you're going to have that bite you. If that's a little part of the Patrick Mahomes experience, it is at a ratio that I am so thoroughly okay with that it's never going to stress me out. The ratio today is what it can't be. He knows that. It, it, it can't be one crazy, and there were a couple of really nice plays for him, but it, it can't even be one-to-one in terms of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he did that, and oh my goodness, I can't believe he did that. That's a balance that over the course of his career he has struck expertly. Today was a messy game. If it's a trend, we'll talk about it differently. On a one-off like this, I'm not losing my mind. I'm guessing Andy Reid wasn't either. Here's Patrick Mahomes on what he heard from Andy Reid after the interceptions. Yeah, I mean, he, he tells me to keep keep throwing it, man. Keep slinging it. Uh, he don't want me to lose who I am. I mean, I promise you, I know I'm knowing I'm messing up. Uh, like when I go to the sideline, I'm 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 hot. And those coaches come to me and they they say like they they understand I know, but they still let me know like what I can get better at. Um, but uh, I just can't put our team in that that situation. And uh, luckily, we got the win. Um, but you don't win mo- a lot of games when you have three interceptions. I just think that's probably all you really need to hear he knows they know we know kind of is what it is right if coaches are coming over and saying here's what you saw here's what didn't work here's here's what you need to do differently there that's useful but he knows that he can't be turning the ball over and you are not going to win a lot of games throwing three picks in fact, to win a game, throwing three picks, you have to have some plays that, well, only Patrick Mahomes can do. That's the that's the catch-22. Again, this has not been a Patrick Mahomes problem over the course of his career, that he's throwing three circus touchdowns and then three Looney Tune interceptions. I'm, I'm just not that stressed about it, to be honest. Uh, next here, uh, a little more on that interception when he was uh, targeting Kelsey and how he's going to get better moving forward. Yeah, they were each unique. Um, just trying to force it when it's not there. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, trying to – the first one to Kels, um, he can't pull up. It's like the rule because the guy's underneath him. Um, and I'm trying to pull him up in that window, and he's doing his role. And so then I lead him into the, the linebacker. Um, it's just little things like that. It's just being a little too loose with the football. And um, i got to correct that because, I mean, we're going to continue to play uh, good teams, and we're, gonna, we're trying to make a run in the playoffs. And we, I, have to, I have to correct that and – uh, take all the good that I'm doing um, and then take away that negative stuff because that's what loses you games in the playoffs. He's right about all of that. Um, you, you're never going to get your good to a 100. You're never going to get your bad to a zero, but you want to keep moving that slider, and, and certainly he's very much aware of that. Uh, he's also been utterly dominant on the road in the AFC West. Here's Mahomes on his AFC West road record. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, it, it's I think it's really cool the, the stadiums that we get to go to and the fan bases. I mean, if you look at our division, I mean, the stadiums and the fan bases are top notch. Um, so you know, when you go, it's going to be loud. Uh, it's going to be at an awesome stadium, awesome venue, um, and you got to play your best football to win. And um, I did just enough today um, against a really good defense. I mean, they have a really good defense uh, to win, and um, we we focus on those teams all off season. Um, we like the Denver, obviously, uh, the Chargers, the Raiders. Um, and we try to have a game plan for them, and we, tr- we try to execute at a high level. And they largely do. Right? They, they don't do a lot of losing in the AFC West. We'll see them try to keep that clean sheet uh, going on the remainder of this season as well. Back to the interceptions, though. Mahomes asked if those picks added any pressure coming out of a half. Luckily for us, we built a lead up there early. Um, so even though we 
we ended the half not the way we wanted to, um, especially me, obviously. Um, but uh, we had a little bit of lead going into half, so you kind of have the, like the glass half empty, half full. Like you, you got a 13-point lead, you would have took it when you got in there, but obviously didn't end with the momentum in our favor. Um, but I mean, I think you know what means. I'm not going to be scared to throw it. I mean, I'm going I'm to keep shooting. I think that's that's what it takes in order to win. You don't want to play scared and timid, and when you throw an interception, kind of shut down. And I think I think that's how, that's a uh, worse way. You lose games that way. And so, uh, luckily for me, I got guys in there that believe in me. Um, every guy was coming up to me and saying, "Keep firing it," um, and uh, we got we did enough to win. He's 100 percent right about all of that. As soon as you see Patrick Mahomes get timid, call for help. That is not the result you want. He knows that. The Chiefs know that. I'm not worried about it. Uh, the streak against Denver now, I believe, is up to 14 consecutive wins for Kansas City over Patrick Mo- over uh, with Patrick Mahomes over the Denver Broncos. It extends Prima Holmes as well, though. Alex Smith versus uh, Peyton Manning is when the streak began. I think it was that game where uh, Peyton Manning got pulled for Brock Osweiler, and then the Broncos still went on to win that Super Bowl following the game. Not, I mean, not following that game, but later on in that season, uh, the Chiefs have not lost to the Broncos since. Then again, I think it's now 14 for Kansas City over Denver in a row. Here's Mahomes on that winning streak versus the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, I think we just have a good game plan coming in. Um, Denver's always a great challenge for us. Um, I think you see the record and you see 10 and 0, but if you look at the games, I mean, it's always a, a, a fight, a dog fight. I mean, you're going in there trying to battle. Um, and you know, some they're gonna get their, you're going to get their best effort, and um, it's, uh, it's it's something that we focus on in the all season. Try to just focus on winning games, um, but luckily for us, it's kind of went our way, um, and so we'll try to keep that going. That ten in a row, I guess, might just be with Mahomes, because that if that included the Week 17 game that he started, uh, maybe that's his record against the Broncos. That would track, right? Because they got one more this year and one odd one there. Probably right. But the Chiefs have been victorious uh, against the Broncos uh, without exception, even dating back. Primo homes. It's pretty incredible. Uh, AFC West domination there. The Chiefs will get another crack at it, and the Broncos will get another crack at it in just a few weeks. Meanwhile, Mahomes talked about the defense stepping up. Again, the offense really did put them in some bad positions on those turnovers. So here's Mahomes on what the defense did to keep the Chiefs in the game. It was, it was huge. I mean, they came out of the half, and they hit a screenplay uh, for, I don't know, 70 yards for a touchdown, even though I thought the defense was playing good. Um, they called the perfect play versus the perfect blitz. Um, and that happens. That's why everybody's NFL caliber players and coaches. And so uh, for them to respond and then uh, we go three and out quick and the defense go right back on the field, Tommy flips the field, then we go right back on the field and get a, gets a stop. Um, that gave us a chance to get that, that touchdown drive there at the end of, end of the third quarter. So uh, the defense, like I said, that guy stepped up. I mean, um, I, I didn't play my best football, especially at certain points in the game. Um, but guys stepped up around me to, so that, uh, that we won as a team. Here's a quick stat from uh, the one and only Curtis Seabolt here. Let me check my notes. Sports Radio 810. Is that WHB? Curtis says, The Chiefs have not lost to the Broncos since the Royals won the World Series. Now, I'm going to look that up as well because I can't... I don't think that's right. Because I'm pretty sure the Royals won the World Series 5,000 years ago. But assuming that Curtis's research is correct, which is a pretty good way to live your life, I have no doubt. That is absolutely true. The timeline of that track. So you think about how long ago the Broncos Super Bowl felt and how long the Royals World Series felt. That is the stat from Curtis. The Chiefs have not lost to the Broncos 
since the Royals won the World Series. Incredible. Uh, next here from Mahomes, I've given you the AFC West settings a few times here. The uh, Chargers lose tonight. The Chiefs would clinch if the Chargers win. Right now they're up 10-7 to over the Dolphins, although Miami has the football with about six minutes left in the first half. If the Chiefs, uh, or if the Chargers lose tonight, the Chiefs will clinch yet another AFC West championship. Here's Mahomes and the possibility of locking up the division one more time. Yeah, I mean, we just our goal is just to continue to get better each and every week. Um, we go into every season and we say we want to win the AFC West. We want to get home field in the playoffs, and we want to we want to win a Super Bowl. And so, um, hopefully, uh, we continue. I mean, we haven't done it yet. We we win the AFC West. That's our first goal. Um, and it, it's special. I think guys, I want to make sure guys remember that it's special winning divisions. And so win the AFC West. And then our next goal is to try to establish home field, uh, home field advantage. And that's going to take us playing great football week in and week out. Um, and then, um, then, then we try to win the Super Bowl, and that, that takes building. It takes you're not going to play your best football every week, um, but how can you build on on your uh, your past week and your, the rest of the season um, to make sure you're playing your best football when the playoffs come around? The overall view on this Chiefs season is going to be fascinating when we have it all said and done. But obviously, we're still uh, at least a handful of weeks away from that, and hopefully, we're about uh, two months away from the end of the Chiefs season. But uh, it'll be interesting to look back on on how we look at the standards we expected the Chiefs to meet versus what they actually did versus how our expectations changed over the course of the year. But winning in the AFC West, once again, just a matter of time. It'll either be tonight or it'll be, I believe, just by winning next week if the standings work out the way that I imagine they, they should. I mean, the Chargers are 6-6, six and six, so I... I think the Chiefs can lock that up with a win. Um, But shortly, the Chiefs will win the AFC West once again. An incredible streak in a division that absolutely loaded up for what they thought was going to be an off year for the Chiefs to try to dethrone them. And the division's going to be locked up before Christmas. Maybe a week before Christmas. Maybe two weeks before Christmas. That is an incredible achievement. This game today is just sort of a funky way to potentially do it. Ending Chargers Dolphins. One more from Mahomes here. Uh, he was asked if there was any sort of sense of, of lost focus when the Chiefs took that big lead. Um, it shouldn't be. I mean, when you get a big lead, you should try to try to press and keep getting better and better. Um, but it seems like with me, I like to be down before I, I play good. So I'm going to try to change that around and make sure I play good all the time. Hey, you know what? Sounds good to me. If you insist, Patrick Mahomes, if you'd like to always throw touchdowns and never throw interceptions... Well, if you twist my arm, I'll I'll take it. In the meantime, though, it wasn't enough for the Chiefs to win. It just wasn't exactly the most normal of football games. But with the Chiefs, when is that ever the case? We'll talk about it more with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest on the other side of the break. This is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Second down and one, Mahomes, fake it, step up, launches it downfield to Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, big gain inside the 35, Kelsey looking to crack the 10,000 mark, that's 38 yards for Travis Kelsey, and he is the fifth tight end ever to reach that plateau. 10,000 receiving yards on a career. As you heard, only the fifth tight end 
to ever do that. And the seventh consecutive year, over 1,000 yards receiving in a single season. That's a tight end record that he has now broken approximately 54 times over. It's not quite that many, but Kelsey's been breaking his own records there for a while now. That performance brought to you by Greengrass Cattle Company. Visit their store in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch, or order online at greengrasscattleco.com, and they'll deliver right to your door. They're locally owned and operated right there in Weston, Missouri. They implement the best practices with their premium black Angus cattle, providing the best feed, clean water, and a low-stress environment to make sure you have the best tasting beef in town. So go visit them out there in Weston or online at greengrasscattleco.com. Matt, this is not what led our conversation today. We certainly have plenty to get to with you. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com on Twitter, at Matt Derrick as well. But let's start with Travis Kelsey for the time being, because an absolutely absurd series of career monuments taking place on that one reception for a career that has been simply absurd. Yeah, that was that's a pretty cool confluence to be able to to go over a thousand yards for the seventh straight time and get the ten thousand yards on the same play. That's pretty cool. I mean, and I still marvel at the fact that we're talking about seven straight seasons when the uh, this guy in second place has four. Yeah, and, and you know, that, I mean, this is just un, un, unbelievable. And is, is there any end? In, I mean, in store. I mean. At the way he's playing, if he stays healthy, this isn't the last. So it it really is remarkable, and it's just another reason why, you know, and I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, uh, just as far as the people that I've been able to cover, you know, on this beat and everything, this is just one of those guys you just don't take for granted, Chiefs fans. I mean, it's yeah. been incredible. And what's more incredible is that, you know, there's I think there's a really good chance that Travis Kelsey just remains the Chiefs his entire career and doesn't yeah. play for another team. And if that's the case, that just makes his career even more remarkable and something to enjoy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and having Patrick Mahomes here has just felt like a force multiplier for him. But his his greatness was evident with Alex Smith, and, and now it is just continuing to rise to levels that I think by the end the, the entire NFL will finally appreciate. I, I hate doing like the greatest of all time conversation because I think it typically devalues at least someone in the conversation. It becomes an argument against somebody rather than just arguments for incredible ones. But do you do you get the feeling that, that Kelsey does get enough appreciation or is there something to, to being overshadowed by the quarterback? Is that different nationally and locally? Anything else in the, the scope of his career to this point that we maybe don't appreciate enough? You know, the the funny thing is, is that I, I was finally getting a chance to catch up on on the podcast that Kelsey and Mahomes did on mm. or on Kelsey's podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really intrigued by, you know, Kelsey saying, talking about how, you know, when he came into the league that he truly was, you know, a, a, a Y type. Yeah. It really was pure tight end. Yeah. And he conceded that, you know, now, hey, he, he's playing a little bit more, you know, what you would say receiver routes and, you know, and positions and everything. But he said, you know, Andy Reid deserves that credit for, you know, revol- evolving the offense around him and evolving the position to fit his skills and doing what he does. Because the reality is, for all the knocks that Travis Kelsey gets for you know playing receiver routes and being a receiver more than a tight end, the reality is is that every tight end that's coming into the league is doing that now. Yeah. Teams, are, teams are trying to find the next Travis Kelsey. I mean, George Kittle wouldn't be doing what he's doing if they weren't stealing things from what the Chiefs do with, with, with Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And you know, the, best receiver, the best tight ends in the league do what Travis Kelsey does now. 
I think Kyle Pitts was the fourth overall pick. That that doesn't that doesn't happen in, in 1997. That guy that guy's probably not going there. And he's he's a menace. He's just probably maybe just playing receiver in a different world. I, I don't know. That's a it's a great point though. It is Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey have changed the tight end position forever. Yeah, they really have. I mean, it's you know the tight end position is absolutely different than it was even you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago for sure, yeah. and certainly different from when I was growing up. I mean, you know, Kellen Winslow was the best tight end in the world when when I was a kid, yeah. and you know, and and he and Travis Kelsey are two different critters. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. Huh? And what Travis Kelsey is doing, and people say, oh well, the tight end, you know, the, you know, he doesn't block or anything like that. Well. He, does a little bit, and he used to block a lot more, and he's still pretty good at it. Um, a lot better for it than people give him credit for. Yes, but the reality is, best tight ends in the league don't block anymore. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, outside of the tight end position, uh, let, let's get macro here. I, I I can't even imagine that that even you, having seen plenty of football and being prepared for lots of weird games, I, I can't imagine what you would have looked like if I would have said at 27 to nothing, hey, this game's going to end in a, a little bit of a nail-biter, or at the very least, the Broncos are going to make the Chiefs score again, and they're only going to do that once. I would have definitely given you a meme-worthy look of some sort. <laughs> um, this game made no sense. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, And the funny <laughs> I mean, I'm going to come across as being as a real jerk here, because and I'm and I'm not grouping I talk about any one particular person. Although I might be talking to you if you're listening right now, it's possible you fit into this category. But you know, the things that I heard from people and from fans this week, you know, the well, you know, you should be worried about this game because the, the Broncos play nothing but close games, and you know, the, and the Chiefs you know played poorly last week, so they might lose this game. And, and then, of course, they come out 27 to nothing, and everybody's you know, trying to go out and figure out, you know, what kind of yard work do I need to get done? <laughs> you know, are there Christmas presents that I need to get still? <laughs> Everyone's moving on. And then all of a sudden, Broncos come back, and all of a sudden, it's a hey, fire everyone. Andy Reid is terrible. <laughs> fire, fire Steve Spagnuolo. Bring back, you know, Bob Sutton. I, nothing, <laughs> nothing quite that bad. But we went from, I went from having people in the locker room this week asking, you know, at the podium, asking the Chiefs if, you know, this winning the AFC West this year wasn't going to have the same meaning or was going to be different because it was so easy <laughs> in a year when, you know, everybody rebuilt in the AFC West. And it was supposed to be so tough, and yet it's been so easy to win the West. And now, you know, here at the game, the Chiefs, people are like, well, Chiefs can't win a playoff game. Yeah. Which is it? Yeah. I mean, and you talk about, you know, getting down to the, the macro level. At the same time, you really need to take a 30,000-foot view mm-hmm. because – my opinion on this team from four three oh four this afternoon hasn't changed between now and eight forty four. Yeah. There are three teams in the AFC West who are likely to to go to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs are still one of them. You mean from just from the AFC, I imagine. I, I can't I would say it's three teams or the field, and you can take the field if you want it, but I'll I'll take the other three. I think you said the a- there are three teams from the AFC West. Pardon me. And Thank that, you. you're, it's okay. I, I thought, wow, you're really high on the Chargers <laughs> still, and I respect that. But, huh, I'm having a hard time coming up with a third. But, yeah, no, I think, I think there's something to that. I also just think that, it, fairly or unfairly, when you're up 27 nothing and the game ends 34-28, you, you, you do kind of 
into that game with uh, with a feeling that you ate your dessert first, and then somebody force fed you a bunch of boiled a bunch of boiled broccoli or something. I, I don't know what your least favorite vegetable is, but um, anything you know just boiled is probably not the way to do it. Like I just I think like we took some bites out of some raw cabbage for for the last thirty two minutes of that game. Help help me understand what happened there and where you kind of spread out the the credit and the blame because you're right. I think if this game would have been well, I don't know if it would have been 34-28, Matt. I still might have felt a little bit a little bit concerned about all this. I had no doubt at all if this game would have been whatever I said on Friday, 27-17, I would not have had a that that cabbagey taste in my mouth. But what what did happen there and how how should we feel? Well, and I mean this game is a complete dichotomy for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And and just I mean it's hard to get your arms around because you know, I, I thought at one point, you know, Andy Reid during the press conference after the game, when he was talking about still throwing the football up twenty-seven to nothing, I, I thought, you know, that, and I, I don't think that he would have been unreasonable for saying this. Would have been, yeah, you know, you guys are always complaining to me that I don't put the pedal down. I put yep. the pedal down, and now you guys are complaining. Yep. Um, it, this, it, to me, this game looked like the Chiefs came out in their scripted, you know, first fifteen or twenty plays, and it was rock solid. Um, really, the only thing that they did wrong was, you know, some of their, you know, once they got into the red zone and got closer to scoring, you know, they stalled a little bit, made a few mistakes. But other than that, the scripted portion was perfect. And by the time they ran out of the script, it was basically 20 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, make, they get the defensive score, and, I mean, you could see it. The Broncos were, were one play away from imploding. I mean, you just felt like if the Broncos come out in that next drive, after it goes to twenty-seven to nothing, if if they turn over the football here, they make another mistake. The Chiefs score again. You're just feeling like the Broncos are done. I mean, not only for this year, but maybe for two more years. I mean, you know, Jerry Judy's you know throwing fits on the sideline. Guys are upset. I mean, it was that fine of a line for a team that was either going to let just absolutely go in the tank, or they had one more ride in them. Yeah. And then the Chiefs make a couple of mistakes. They give the Broncos life. And remember, everything that we talked about earlier in this week being it was true. The Broncos are an opponent that you have to respect. They're an opponent for which this was their Super Bowl. This is the last really big game on their schedule. This was the only one that was going to mean anything the rest of the way. And they played like it. Um, and at the same time, I say that the Chiefs didn't play necessarily badly other than three bad Patrick Mahomes turnovers mm-hmm. um, and and even then that's an interesting you know a, a looking at Mahomes because Andy Reid will say he played a great football game except for those three turnovers mm-hmm. and he did <laughs> which is hard to get your arms around yeah but and, and, and as well as the Broncos played and I give him credit for it at the same time the Chiefs defense piled up six sacks mm-hmm. they controlled the line of scrimmage the Broncos were absolutely overmatched at the line of scrimmage, frankly, on both sides of the football. And the plays that they were making, they, other than the one play, the, you know, the Marlon Mack on the blitz, that was an absolutely perfect play call, the rest of what the Broncos was doing was just desperation that worked. Yeah, I mean they were they were like hitting on fifteen <laughs> and got six six straight hands. I mean, that's that to me what this game was. And, 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 I mean, I think at the end, what happened was the better team won. It's just some really, really weird stuff happened for about, you know, two quarters. 
I, I agree with all of that, and and, and sometimes in in games. Tell me where I'm wrong, Jeff. No, no well, so I, I want to know. I no, want to know. This this is this is where I end up because sometimes in in games like this and in shows like this, I'm just sort of going through my uh, external processing therapy from the beginning to the end, and sometimes I move around a little bit from the the first segment to the last segment of the show. And, and I had said at the beginning, and I still will say, I think, uh, I mean, I'm leaving Mahomes out of this, I guess, because he's Patrick Mahomes. I, I think there are a handful of issues with this defense that I'm concerned about, but a lot of that is built on the Bengals game as well. Like a lot, and frankly, a lot of the coaching things are built on the Bengals game as well. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to not overreact to any one thing. It's why Patrick Mahomes throwing three interceptions in this game, like. I was going to say, it doesn't bother me. That's not true. It's annoying. I'm sure it bothers him more than it bothers me. I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes becoming a turnover machine because my eyes have been working for the last several years. The thing that I, I, I guess I would still place a little bit of of disappointment on is that th- from from that moment that you're describing on, I, I, I feel like just about anybody could have stopped the bleeding. They, they could have stopped the comeback. They, it could have been the big offensive play that keeps it a two or three possession game. It could be the defensive stop that even with a short field, because they're put in a bad spot from a Mahomes turnover, a big defensive play in the back half of the game largely feels like it would ice it. And then we could stop stressing about it down to saying, oh, well, the Chiefs really need to burn the clock and get a first down here. It, it felt like it ended so much closer than it should have with the advantage that they built for themselves early on. I, I know the all 60 minutes of it count, but I, I do think that there is some reason to have a little bitterness left from from the inability towards that back end to say you you've you have stacked this deck so strongly in your favor <laughs> that they are going to have a bunch of 15s now now don't let them be able to pull those sixes every single time they need one because you're allowed to play defense in this in this blackjack metaphor something in there does still feel to me like a, a flat conclusion to a game that started with fireworks yeah i i completely agree with that too and and i i, I mean i i I don't want anybody to think that I'm coming at this as a, as with rose-colored glasses and, and with homerism here, because I'm trying to be as objective as possible with looking at this. And that's why I say, I mean, it's hard for me to say, you know what, Chiefs defense played terrible. Oh, they had six sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the same time, I mean, you can say Patrick Mahomes played a great game, and yet he had three turnovers. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about some really weird circumstances. But I still just I just go back to you know once again it's the plays that the Chiefs made was there anything that the Chiefs did offensively that you just said they got lucky? No, I mean if anything I think that they pretty much earned everything that they got. Uh, the the Broncos played well and I mean I, I, I there was nothing that I can say that the Chiefs just you know pulled one out. I mean even even the Mahomes touchdown to McKinnon I can't say that's luck because I've seen that guy do it before. Yeah, that's not the first time that's not his first rodeo. But I look at what the Broncos did, and you're talking about one play, and that's why, to me, it goes back to the, hey, if the Broncos had 10 50-50 plays, I think they hit all 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Because that interception that Patrick Sertan has, was it a great throw by Mahomes? No. He should have, with his decision-making being that he was trying to throw it away, should have thrown it away better. Yep. But remember, nobody thought that was an interception. Yep. It was only after replay that you go back and say, oh, yep, no, that was an interception. Um, the first, you know, uh, Josie Jewell interception was a pretty athletic play. Yep. Um, you know, converting second and 34, especially with that catch that the tight end had on second down, mm-hmm. 
was a lucky play. And maybe it was a little bit of luck that Andy Reid decided to take a penalty that would have made it third and 24. Third and 24 is different, but, you know, hey, I, whatever. I mean, to me, and, and some of the throws that, that, that Russell Wilson was making, I mean, he was making them because his line was just getting ever-living crappy down out of them. Yeah. And he escapes just long enough and happens to find somebody on a broken play. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, there weren't very many just well-executed plays by the Broncos. I mean, and sometimes they were just executed. They were just broken plays that worked out in their favor. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I felt like the, the, the Chiefs were the better team today by 14 points. Mm-hmm. And the reason it wasn't a 14-point game was some bad luck. But then the Chiefs have had some games that have gone the other way, too. So, And that's why, to me, at the, at the end of that game, I don't know if a whole lot changed because – yeah, I, I get twenty-seven to nothing means something, but it, it isn't just a selective endpoint. And at the end of the game, was it perfect? No, but it's a win. Let me let me ask one more thing, and uh, we can see if there is anything in this category you'd take. And if not, we can just you can just say nope and then hang up. Is there something where you exit this game feeling worse about it than when you got here? Because I've I've got at least a couple of them. The, the, again, you can go as micro or as macro as you'd like, I suppose. But anything in this game, you go, you know what? That did go worse than I expected. And I am a little bit worried about that when they have to play a better team in the playoffs. I would say one from each side of the football. I, I would say that the past distribution on offense remains a work in progress. And I, I say that with you know knowing that probably two guys that the Chiefs are going to count on later in the season – and McCole Hardman and Kadarius Tony aren't out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, McKinnon had kind of a you know odd game. So you can't say that Jarek McKinnon is a, you know going to give you 100 yards receiving every single game. That's probably not going to happen because it's the only second time it's ever happened in his career. Yep. It might not happen for another six years, and he might not be in the league in six more years. But I will <laughs> never bet against Jarek McKinnon. Never, never. Um, but if it wasn't if it wasn't healthy and Juju. And McKinnon tonight, there wasn't a lot more. They need they need some other guys to step up. And defensively, this was one of those games where I would say that the secondary had a bad game. Yeah. I mean, even though I do talk about a lot of broken plays, the Broncos right now, outside of Judy, they don't have a lot of firepower on offense. And other teams have been able to keep them in check. And the fact that you know they struggle, I thought, a little bit in the secondary today, especially with communication, I'll put a pin in that one for the future. I think that is a good place to put a pin. And the good news is we will have plenty of future to talk about this football team. Uh, Matt, we can do it again the rest of the way. We've got some matchups that the Chiefs should be able to put up some good tape against. So uh, we'll see if the postgame shows get a little more fun or, God forbid, significantly less fun in the weeks to come. We'll hear you across the week here on 810. Fridays on the Zone really are my favorite time you have other than the postgame show on 810. But maybe I'm biased. Uh, ChiefsDigest.com as well. Do you know what you're writing about yet tonight? Right now, I'm just uh, writing and going through what the, everybody had to say, coaches and players, uh, about this game tonight. And you know, I'm thinking, should we like watch have a watch party for one of these games at the Green Gas Grass Cattle Company? Because yes. I need to be in that relaxing atmosphere with the cows. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I I did go into the device where they put the cows in and then like hold them there to give them their shots and to check up on them and everything. And that really was sort of a, a soothing hug, uh, which I do feel like would be good for most of us during Chiefs games. I think every Chiefs fan needs a soothing hug during Chiefs games. <laughs> I think so. Uh, Matt, you are utterly the best, and I uh, appreciate you every week. <laughs>
I can't even beat that. No, you you shouldn't. Sure. You, you couldn't 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 beef that if you try. Beat that if you try. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I love you, Josh. Take care, buddy. I'm hoofing it. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. A lot more next whenever we hear from the, that was like a moose sound. Nathaniel Hackett and a little more to break down at this side of the break here on Sports Radio 8 and WHB. Kelsey is part of that bunch. Mahomes surveying. Spins. Keeps it alive. Touchdown! Juju Smith-Schuster in the back of the end zone. For all the talking we've done about Mahomes' game today, the three picks and the one wizardry uh, pass to Jarek McKinnon, that play belongs in the Mahomes magic category. Every time he turns his back to the line, I get a little bit nervous just because that's a tough spot to be in. For a mere mortal, at least. Not the case there for Mahomes. That touchdown was unreal. Quick check-in at halftime of Sunday Night Football. We're bringing the second half of that very, very soon here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, But at the half, they went for it on fourth down right up against the half. The Los Angeles Chargers did, that is. 17-7 Chargers looking to keep their chances in the AFC West technically alive. They're 6-6. If they win, they'd be 6-7, and and the Chiefs would have to win next week to clinch. Uh, I think that math would all shake out. If the Chargers lose tonight, the Chiefs would clinch right away. I think the only way they would not clinch is if the Chiefs just lost out and the Chargers won out, and I'm not too worried about that happening. Do you want a fun little stat? I'd love a fun little stat. Um, Running back for the Chargers, Joshua Kelly, Mm -hmm. has the same number of rushing attempts as um, Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has completions. That is three. Also, I just want to commend you on what I think might be the first time I have ever even heard you attempt Tunga Vailoa. Yeah. And based on what Field Yates told us, I think you got it. Good work, Beards. I thank you. People don't know this, actually, but the reason that that Jason never says Beards' last name on the zone is because Beards' last name is Tunga Vailoa also. Um, this is the stat line that Beards is referring to right now. In the AFC I'm, showdown? I've got to pull it up if you don't. No, I, I do. Excellent. I'm just really luxuriating in it. Because, <laughs> well, because you'll know soon enough. Justin Herbert, three sacks. Tua Tungvaluwa, three completions. And some of those stats you might think reflects poorly on the Chargers and also poorly on the Dolphins. No, hear, hear us out on this one. Tua has attempted 15 passes tonight so far in the first half. Again, it's halftime right now in the first half. 15 pass attempts, three completions for 25 total yards. That's averaging 1.7 yards per attempt for Tua. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert is 24 of 29 for 222 yards and a touchdown. Um, Linebacker for the Dolphins, Elandon Roberts, three tackles. Quarterback, Tua Tungvaluwa, three completions. Uh, let me get to the uh, receiving here. Uh, oh, we're so close from this one. Uh, the longest pass of the night so far from Justin Herbert to Mike Williams, 23 yards, is two yards fewer than Tua's total passing the first half on the night, 25. Dolphins aren't really running the ball terribly well either. Uh, the Chargers are running the ball just about the same. But ultimately in the passing game, the Chargers have moved the ball much 
more smoothly. Tua has not looked very good, and the Chargers are looking to keep the Chiefs from clinching tonight, which is fine by me because then hopefully the Chiefs can just beat the Texans and then put on their you know fun hats in the locker room. More fun than, than winning from home, I imagine. Oh, with that being said, one team that was eliminated from playoff contention today, yes, only today, were your Denver Broncos. Uh, I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett is going to be able to hack it beyond this season, uh, but if uh, if the, the Broncos need some repairs done to their franchise, I've got an idea for where they could go. Brought to you by Metcalf Car Star. If your vehicle gets sacked on the road, take it to Metcalf Car Star, the collision repair experts. They make it convenient and easy to get back on the road. Go to carstar.com and search Metcalf Carstar. Carstar. Relax. They'll take it from here. Nathaniel Hackett here in just a second. Beards, what do you have? Uh, Professional football team, Denver Broncos. Three wins. Tua Tungavailoa. Three completions. Here's Nathaniel Hackett speaking to the media after the Broncos' thrilling come-from-behind loss. Here's first. Mike Boone, he's got an ankle. He did not return. Russell Wilson has uh, the concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. Kendall Hinton went out with a hamstring, and Jacob Martin went out with a knee. Did not return. Yeah, Coach, um, uh, two parts. What did you see from your team as you fell behind 27 nothing, And then any consolation in the way you uh, rallied back and made it a game? The goal is to win. We all know that, but to watch these guys when you're down 27 to zero, everybody had a choice on how they wanted to continue that game, and I get I'm 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 so impressed with all those guys, Uh, defense, offense, special teams. They didn't blink; they stayed together. Uh, Defense came through with a big play for an interception. Offense was able to play complimentary football and score, and continually scored after they got another interception and then another one. And I just I mean that's all. uh, It's great. It is awesome. We got to. Finish. We had opportunities to continually win that game, and uh, I appreciate that. But and that is kind of that moral victory. But uh, we want to win the, the game. We had a chance to. Uh, but but I'll tell you, the, the fight that these guys have is 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 awesome. Nate, I get. Can you? Is there anything else you can say about Russell? Just were you able to talk to him at all as he came off the field? And then the second part, what did you make of his play up until? point that he went on. Uh, he was fighting the, the whole game. I give I give him so much credit. I mean, you see it day in and day out. No matter what the situation is, uh, just watching him there in that third down situation, be able to break break the pocket, and he was using his legs a lot. He obviously ended up getting the concussion. Uh, I think our medical team did a great job getting him uh, in here, and he's in the concussion protocol now. So we'll go through that uh, step-by-step process and do it the right way. But he was playing uh, playing really well. Jerry, a career day today. He was frustrated early. Did you talk to him at all? And then is that kind of the performance that, that shows what Jerry can do at the height of his potential? I thought Jerry really stepped up. Cortland being down, uh, a lot of guys being down, KJ, Tim, all those guys. Uh, Jerry's a guy that had an opportunity. We changed his position this week, and he went out there, and he embraced it. And it was hard at first because they started doubling him. Uh, they were trying to take him away. They knew that we wanted to attack with him. And I think that was where a lot of that frustration came from. We talked on the sideline because of that frustration, uh, but he just kept his head down and kept working, and it showed up with those three touchdowns, which I thought were awesome, especially the one on uh, the fourth and seven. I thought that was an unbelievably critical time, uh, continually battling back. Uh, It was great to see. Going to that fourth and seven, how close was it to just maybe take the points and and try to cut it to a touchdown field goal game? And then what can you say about Brett's performance and relief for us? 
No, we were 100% full go. When you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you've got to be a little more aggressive. And uh, we were going to go for it no matter what. I think we, we had the ball on about the, the two-yard line, I think. Uh, tried to sneak one in, jumped off sides, and uh, we knew we were going to go for it. So it just happened that it ended up being fourth and seven, but I thought Rip made an astounding play. It's great. That's the hardest, one of the hardest things to do in this game is for a quarterback that has just been standing on the sideline, hasn't gotten a lot of practice all week, and then he's got to go out there and he's got to execute and win a game for you. And I thought he also battled. I mean, that was an absolutely clutch uh, play to make in the back of the end zone to Jerry. Uh, and uh, then we had had some other ways to be able to move the ball. And unfortunately, it, d- it didn't come our way. I give the Chiefs a lot of credit. They, they continually battled also. Nate, you're right. Uh, just curious if you could expand on what you were thinking, feeling when the score did go to 27 nothing. How are we going to get back into it? I think that was that was the only thing I cared about. You, we live series to series, and we talked and communicated with the offense. Wanted to make sure that we were going to get into more of our up-tempo stuff, speed the game up, and we knew that's what kind of game it was once we were in that situation. But in the end, it's just about series to series. What are you going to be able to do to be able to get points on the board? And that's all we talked about. Yeah, Coach, uh, Dalton wasn't able to, to go today. Uh, what was the process and him not being able to go? And how much did that impact you today? Six sacks, 11 quarterback hits. Did a lot. I mean, Dalton's been our rock. He's been the one guy that's been been here throughout the season. Uh, losing him, you know, both as a leader and as a player, uh, it definitely was something we were a little nervous about. Uh, Luke started it off, and then we started at rotation with uh, Bailey and Moody. I thought those guys uh, got some good experience out there and kept working. But uh, when you're making those changes like we had all year it it stresses out the the, the pocket sometimes but those guys continually battled I give them so much credit for that Uh, no matter what the situation is I mean 95 and 55 are premier rushers and they did a great job with all their pressure package those guys stuck together and gave us a chance there at the end there you have it Nathaniel Hackett talking to the media after a loss but a much closer one than it seemed it was going to be at 27-0. The Chiefs ultimately win 34-28, a higher scoring affair on both sides of the ball than I assumed, honestly. But ultimately, I look around and see a team that did enough to win and maybe not enough to impress against a team they were favored to beat by just about double digits. A defense that got to Russell Wilson, forced turnovers, and did enough on short fields occasionally biting them, but had their performance largely be, you know, turnover forcing, some positive moments. An offense that had a quarterback do some wizardry and ultimately put up almost a 40-burger with some help from the defense, I suppose. Also, both sides of the ball didn't do all they could, and that becomes the challenge of a game like this one. Three picks from Patrick Mahomes, a defense that let the Broncos back into it, and very rarely did either of those sides do the thing to, as I mentioned earlier, kind of stop the bleeding from this game. Does it say anything about the Chiefs in the long term? Frankly, I don't know if we have enough information for that answer just yet. What we do know is that they're on their road to winning the AFC West once again. The one seed very much still in play and still plenty to prove. But for the Chiefs, per usual, they won't be able to prove everything they need to until January and hopefully even February. It's a weird game with lots to break down. We'll cover it all week long right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Me and Beards and Jason Anderson will join you at 10 o'clock tomorrow on The Zone. Coming up next, the second half of Chargers and Dolphins. L.A. has the ball up 10. That's next here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Bye, Mom.